Welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Tar and Rama's Hard News on Friday night on Radio Station One at BBS Radio. So, thank you for joining us here. I'd like to take a few moments to take a few breaths and go into that heart space. So, breathe in through your nose, out your mouth, or whatever breathing protocol you like to use, do that gently, do that slowly and intentionally. Breathe in that heart energy and exhale that dross of the day as we go into that heart space. And gather in that heart space with your guides and guardians, your angel teams, your spirit teams your totems, your ancestors, whoever you like to journey with that Kimi drum with. And there's a fire, it's a council fire, and it's in the center. 
Let us gather around that council fire in that perfect circle. Coming close in that virtual way we know how to do. And I hear that calling drum calling us as we gather around that council fire. Let's call in those seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition. Are we still here? I'm hoping yes. we're still here. We're still here, Rainbird. We've been not here missing you at all. Oh, good. <laughs> it, it was someone calling in on my line. I had to hang it up, but, but I accidentally answered it. So I apologize. Let's do this oh, again. Okay. All right. Here we <laughs> okay. go. Rainbird, now you went away. Rainbird, you're all gone. Okay, thank you, TJ. Oh, dear. Hope that uh, this will work out here. Let's just uh, take a little moment while we're waiting to send good vibrations to... Um, let all the war war energy go. Let's just do that for a moment. Let it all go. Okay. There you are. Look at where I was in the all these fear keepers of the heat. That house of light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us so that we may see things clearly. Welcome from the north to have the night. May wisdom mature among us so that we may see everything from within. And we greet from the west the house of transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so that we might accomplish what must be done. action give us the harvest so we might enjoy the fruits of planetary beings. We welcome from above the house of paradise where the star people and the ancestors gather. 
May their blessings reach us now. We greet from below the house of the earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmony so that we might end war. Welcome from the central source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. I am Hunapu, even Maya, Imaho. I am Hunapu, even Maya, Imaho. I am Hunapu, even Maya, Imaho. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. In Makashawakin, I am another you, you are another me. Homotakuyasin, all my relations. So just stay wherever that drumbeat took you. And We're going to spend a few minutes looking at the record of days. We just started a new hob. H-A-A-B, spell that as the hob. It's that 260-day matrix that we go through in a cyclic cyclic way. (laughs) So we're in the new way, the the first light wave, and it's the wave of the red dragon. And um, because it's the first light wave, it's, Pin number one and wave number one and tone number one and glyph number one. So we're we're doing all all those ones this week and we're on pin number seven. So it's it's uh also the seven tones, the a seven um, hand, Monique, seven Monique, the blue resonant hand. Seven is the resonant tone. And, and the hand is the seventh cliff. So <clears throat> it's a seven, seven, seven. And that hand energy, that Monique, it's about, it's three key words are knowing, healing, and accomplishment. And the resonant tones, keywords, inspire, attune, and channel. So that brings us the mantra for the day. I channel in order to know, inspiring, healing. I seal the store of accomplishment with the resonant tone of attunement. I am guided by the power of self-generation. So can you guess what's... Which one that is? That is the blue storm. And the occult power today is the white wizard. The ally today is the yellow human. And our challenge today is the red earth. So those are our <clears throat> destiny readings for the day, on which, which ones we're working with. And, uh, yeah, and it's Friday. <laughs> And we're working with that blue hand. 
and and with that uh, energy tonight of the White Wizard. So we've got magic working with us. Our ally is the human, and our challenge is the earth. So that's what we're dealing with tonight. And then tomorrow it's an eight Lamotte. So it's an 888, it's the eighth tone, the galactic tone. So it's the yellow galactic star tomorrow. And it's also a lunar eclipse and a full moon. And I didn't check the time on that, time of that full moon. But, um, my calendar is eluding me at the moment. Oh, there it is. Hang on just a second. I'll give you the time of the... I can give you the time of the full moon, but I don't know the time of the eclipse. I imagine it starts sooner than this, but the time is 424. It's when we gather tomorrow, the full moon will be full. And so I don't know if you'll see it eclipsing or not because it'll be full daylight, but um, we might see it as it gets dark here around 730, three hours later. We might miss it. But they'll see it over there across the pond. <laughs> and uh, so there you go. That's the full, the full moon at 430, 434, actually, or 24. And uh, a lunar eclipse at the same time. So a powerful day tomorrow. And it's with that galactic yellow star. So that energy with that eight, this galactic energy. So we'll definitely... It's synchronistic with the Mayan um, record of days. And then moving on to Sunday, it's a 9, so it's a 999, the red solar moon, a 9 Muluk. And, uh, yeah, I always like it when the sun and the moon show up show up together like that. It's the solar tone, and that solar tone is, is about activating three threes. And so there's lots of activation, lots of movement. And it's one of those organic numbers, so it's nine. And then moving on to Monday, a 10, 10, 10, the white planetary dog. And so that dog is manifesting that unconditional love. Let's work with that. That manifestation is is tone 10, planetary tone. And we're so we're manifesting unconditional love with that dog energy. Let's take a look at this. I have been <clears throat> bringing up those details, so we'll start with Muluk, or the <clears throat> which was is on uh, that moon energy on Sunday, and it's an artist aspect, and it's about that wise use of rational mind. It's about accepting spirit's direction. If we can tune in and listen. We work with a telepathy with the moon energy a lot. So let's be in contact with our, with spirit and remember what we came here to do. <clears throat> and that unity consciousness of universal mind is our mind. So we, we use that telepathy. So let's let go of any insensitivity or any attachment to omens or any self-doubt. We embrace these energies on Sunday. And then on Monday is that dog energy, the artist aspect. It's about unconditional love and healing the pain of the past. So we have that contact with our spirit guides and that awareness of our destiny. And we also carry that awareness of our past lives with this energy. 
and that reminder that of our loyalty to humankind. So I'll have be a day where we're still praying peace, I'm sure. <laughs> and that's just what we need to do every day. So let's let go of any fears or any unwise use of anger with this energy on Monday. And then going on to Tuesday is the 11th, the blue spectral monkeys. And it's Samhain, so that's also the one of the high holy holidays is the change of the season, the first day of winter. Um, in the Celtic assessment of the seasons, and I find those to be most in alignment than the ones we kind of use. If you're a farmer, you want to use these ones <laughs> for sure. It's definitely more connected to the earth energy that winter starts on Tuesday. And so we call it Halloween. Um, the Celtic name is Samhain. And uh, <clears throat> in the Mayan name is the Blue Spectral Monkey. So let's look at that monkey artist aspect. Well, that's, that's good. It's an artist day. Lots of people like to dress up and be creative on this day. So we're balancing work and play, and that's fun. And we're paying attention to clarity of mind. It's a monkey day. And so we have that wise use of magical artistry with us. We have these gifts of innocence and spontaneity and that ability to play and, and laugh. So it's a fun day. And we're celebrate, celebrating this hour in this way and that, those fun ways that we do. So let's let go of any insensitivity, any jadedness, any resistance to compassion or any mistrust with this monkey energy. You can dress up as a monkey on Halloween. How about that? And then on Wednesdays, the 12, 12, 12, the yellow Christmas doll, human. And it's All Saints Day. It's also the Day of the Dead. So <clears throat> I know our Mayan brothers and sisters south of us like to uh, spread those yellow flowers and, and all the pathways to the cemeteries and celebrate the dead, the day of the dead. And so we do that with the yellow crystal humans, which is a great day, synchronistic, the healing aspect, and it's about the enlightenment of humankind. So we're activating cosmic consciousness with this energy. We're attuning to spirit. Absolutely, we're attuning to spirit. So let's embrace these gifts of that being that human servant warrior, the gift of abundance, and that contact with other dimensions. Indeed, 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 we do that. So let's let go of any dependence on the analytical mind. Set it aside and walk into that higher dimension. We can commune with all the saints from this All Saints Day. And then on Thursday, Red Cosmic Skywalker. So it's 3.13, Quiet Mother Day. And it's also All Souls Day. So we're still connecting multidimensionally and working with that Skywalker energy, Dan, the Red Cosmic Skywalker, 13 tone is the last tone of the wave, and so it's that promise of change and that promise of transmutation. So we do that as we break this warrior aspect of the Skywalker. 
We work on our focus. We work on striving towards self-elimination. And we work with clarity, working on clarity. Let's embrace these gifts of strength and that ability to bring these energies on this high holy day that it is. We let go of any resistance to faith or any belief in aloneness. And then on Friday when we come back, we begin a new wave, and it's the wave of the white magnetic wizard, the, the wave of the magician. So in this way, we'll seek the truth in the and we'll also seek true spirituality with this energy. Magnetic tone is is the, um, the first day of a wave, and so it's that attraction to that energy. We're bringing in that energy and sending it out. And we're working with uh, this visionary aspect of the magician and uh, working with illumination for others in that clarity of mind and purpose. And so we embrace these gifts of that shaman energy, that jaguar medicine, and the gift of integrity. And working in accordance with the line well. Listen and respond. <laughs> Take your orders. Let go of control. Let go of any personal power issues or any manipulation as we embrace these energies on Friday. We'll talk about it some more next Friday when we get back together again. So there you go, this one powerful week ahead. And remember that first wave is for setting our intentions. Just like we do with the new moon, we set our intentions for that cycle of two weeks or the moon cycle of four weeks. We're setting a cycle for 260 days, which is nine times that. It's nine months. It's that gestation of the human. So maybe we can grow a different human in this process. Let's what are your intentions? Think about it. Well, what we require to manifest as we become all one. <clears throat> Remain in unity consciousness. So I'm going to change my hat. As we are a listener-supported radio program, it's all of us that make it happen. And so I would like to spend a few minutes on the housekeeping and let you know where we're at and what we need. We have expenses with CBS Radio for their services and for being able to gather each week this way. It's all of us that make it happen. So we're all included. <laughs> and here's how we do it. We go into our heart space and see what is ours to give. And I'll tell you what we need first. We need... Um, $4.12 to pay for the first week of October, and then we owe for three more weeks in October, and that comes to $931.12. So we almost got the first week. We need to grab the second and the third and the fourth. We will be leaving the month this week, and it'd be really nice to leave it tidy and all paid up. So go into your heart space, see what is yours to give, and then go to bbsradio.com. And there, as you click on Radio Station 1 on the schedule, you'll see the programs that we have on Radio Station 1, which are the 8 o'clock hour in Central Time, p.m. On Thursday and Friday, on Thursdays, is a night at the round table. You see that on the schedule. You can click on the icon that's there and make a donation there as you look at that menu item. And then on... 
Fridays tonight. It's the hard news on Friday nights with Tara and Rama at the 8 o'clock hour. You click on that icon there. That'll take you directly to our account where you can make that donation in any amount. So thank you. Thank you for taking the action. Thank you for paying a little extra. <laughs> thank you for telling others and having new people. Thank you for being new and doing it for the first time. Uh, all the above. As we, as we make it happen, we make it happen together. So thank you for taking that action. We have a program on Saturdays on Radio Station 2, so you find that in the schedule for Radio Station 2 at the 3.30 hour on Saturday afternoon. And it's the true history history of Nisera and our galactic origins. So there you go. That's where you find that icon. Click on it. That takes you to our account there where you can make that donation at any amount. So please join us on Saturday if you're you're new to us from Radio Station 1. Remember, we're here all Saturday afternoon from 3.30 Central until 11.30, I believe. No, it might be 12.30. Yeah, 12.30 Central. So it's a 10-hour day and never a dull moment, and we welcome you. So thank you for all your contributions. Thank you for all the ways that you show up in your lives. We're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs. And this week, they have an emergency need. Somebody needs to help out right away so they can put gas in the car and food in their bellies. So we need to fuel up the car and their bellies. And so as an emergency, $50 would cover that. We can make that happen ASAP so that they can have that. They can get out of town and get something to eat. And I'm sure they'll do that in an efficient way, like at a grocery store and <laughs> and at a gas station. So that's, that works. And then they also have bills that are coming up. So we need to be aware of that. There's $300 in bills. Um, <clears throat> and so as we can contribute to bills, this is how we do it. You want to go... Or for the emergency fund, this is how we do it. Go to rainbowroundtable.net, and there on the home page, up on the right-hand side of that bar that's on top, you'll see a donate link button. <clears throat> and click on that, and that'll take you directly to the Rainbow Roundtable account with PayPal. And then as you're looking at the menu grid there, uh, like on a handheld device or something. Click on that menu grid, and then on the bottom of that list, you'll see the donate link right there. Click on that, and that takes you to our account with PayPal. So there's a friends option with PayPal, and you access that by gifting to this email. And it is the <clears throat> Rainbow Roundtable email and it's Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. As you enter that email address, you should be eliminating those commercial charges and becoming friends and family as you do it. So thank you for taking that action. Either way is perfect. We are grateful for your contributions. And I'll give you that email address again. Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. 
Now you need it. We have a mailing address. Rom D. Berkowitz is the name. R-A-M-D. Berkowitz. B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. Post Office Box 280-280. And that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico. Zip, zip code is 87567. I'll say it again. Santa Cruz. New Mexico, 87567. So thank you. Thank you for taking that action, showing up, assisting Tara and Rama with their needs. We're grateful for all that they bring forward. And I know from experience, there's pretty consistent, like 24 hours a day. (laughs) They're on it. But they do sleep a little, but not much. And so... Rest assured that they can use our help, and this is an honor to be able to help them in this way. So 13 thank yous and honey in the heart for all of you and all the ways that you show up. And I'm passing this talking stick. Oh, my God. It is hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's Everybody's dressed up in Halloween costumes. The, the gnomes got really funny hats, and a couple of them were wearing horns nests for for masks. That's hilarious. Um, that reminds me of the booger dance. So anyway, here comes an hilarious with streamers of black and orange, and lots of pumpkins abounding. And oh my God, all the fairies are have, have candy corn. They love candy corn. And their favorite thing is this marshmallow-covered weird thing. Or, I mean, yeah, marshmallow-covered with yellow sugar and and green sugar and blue sugar. They're weird. Bless their hearts. <laughs> Greedy guitar drawer. <laughs> Here it comes with lots of fairies and feathers and lots of hilarity. So... <laughs> Maybe we need that in these times as we as we have that Excalibur Sword of Truth right with it. It ain't going nowhere. So greetings to our Rama. Here comes his talking stick. Greetings, everyone. Greetings. <laughs> All you commanders, eagles, and angels, thank you, Rainbird, for what you do. Thank you so much. Happy full moon, lunar eclipse, Halloween. Yes, and I want to thank TJ. He's just doing a great job keeping us all on the air together. Yeah. And um, yes, there's a, a serious thing. They found the shooter dead. This is kind of like a repeat of other shooters. Um, so that's that happened tonight today. Um. Let's end all of that kind of stuff. Let's yeah. get some healthy society energy going. Right, Rama? Yes. Want to say something? I'll pass this talking stick to you about all that. I, I can say with this full moon, lunar eclipse, and the energies pouring in, it, it is amazing times. We live in, there have been mass coronal ejections, I'm not sure of the magnitude, 
yet it's just continuing. I have seen the crystalline gold particles of light coming in today. I sat with four deer and crows, and they are just saying, stay in that oneness and don't get lost in the matrix. They are playing out their last moments. I don't know how to describe it except that Bill is committing active war crimes right now, blaze the violet fire. It's not well, petty. We're doing it too because it's a collaboration between the two countries. Yes. Yep. And um Oh, they, they just now they said definitively main shooting suspect found dead by suicide. <clears throat> well, that doesn't get you out of the mission. We know that, right, Ron? Mm, no. <laughs> and, and souls like that, you know, aside from all the... <laughs> Strange comedy, I, I just have to say that there is these beings, you know, this form is eternal and we have to keep it that way. And when we violate cosmic law, things happen. And... Uh, to say a little further about this shooter, I smell MK Ultra all over the place, and it's no coincidence. This is going on right at the same time Israel and Gaza are going on, and Ukraine and other places around the planet blazed violet fire, and what? It's telling me in the beings that I talk to, uh, both two-legged, four-legged, the wings um, were at the end. She who was here before the gods were here is here. And like in a Luna Joy's message that you've seen around the Internet, she went to Sekhmet's temple in Karnak, and she says, you know, part of her is there, part of her is in other places, and she's dealing with Meaning the stuff, right? Meaning yes. yes, she's dealing with the stuff. I can't say it any other way. Mother takes care of her children. Yes. Whatever they are calling for, she's there. Yes. And some of her wayward children are calling for mother now to take. They're 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 very freaked out. I don't know if you can quite tell, but they don't know what to do because they have they have put themselves in a corner. And they just need to embrace the light coming in. That's simple. Let's send them more love, right? Yes. Yes, and polarization has been a part of the process, you know, experiencing the extreme polarization and then coming back to the center. 
Yeah. They didn't say it was going to be easy, did they, Raw? No. <clears throat> and so let's just uh, make our love grow. Let's make our love grow, everyone. Hmm. All right. What are we going to play here, Raw? This is Aurora Ray. Uh, the fifth dimension world is here, celebrating the birth of the new Earth. <laughs> All right. Let's do that. Okay. Galactic Federation. Human beings are changing. On behalf of the Galactic Federation, I am delighted to announce that the collective consciousness of humanity is growing stronger by the day, guided by divine love. Human beings are changing. More and more people are experiencing an acceleration of consciousness, often referred to as awakening. Human beings will now be able to have more of a peaceful experience of being human because of the increased vibrations of higher love vibrations. It is from these higher vibration levels of consciousness that humans will be able to live infinitely happier lives of joy and bliss without feeling lonely or unloved. These new vibrations affect everything from people's individual thoughts of peace, love, and happiness to their experience of being human on planet Earth. People will feel a larger capacity to love all life forms with no judgment. The experience will be a lot more peaceful and harmonious for the environment and society as a whole. This is great news for humanity, as it also allows for easier spiritual growth and evolution towards the fifth dimension. Due to this, each one of us can now definitely feel the changes that are now taking place all across the planet. Though it may seem like most of the world is still stuck in old paradigms and ways of thinking, the truth is that more and more humans realize that they are indeed spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. A new day is dawning, and a new paradigm is being born. What will your role be in ushering in the golden age? This choice belongs to every individual. The thoughts of all those who live on Earth will shape the planet's future. There are many who feel sorrow and depression over what has been on Earth for thousands of years and which is now coming to an end. Light, love and consciousness are the only solutions to humanity's problems. Some of us have understood the process, have decided to stand for truth and have chosen to work with the light in order to bring in the new creation. Fueling animosity among mankind, the dark forces cunningly use their tools, manipulating us into conflict among ourselves with the aim of creating the most negative energy possible. The dark ones know that their time is almost up. They can no longer pretend that things are going well when in fact the light has won and with it an end to the old programming which, although it will take a short time to totally change to higher and brighter programming, which is irreversible, there are many creatures fleeing the planet, and some are being relocated to be rehabilitated on other planets. It is with great love that I now speak for the Galactic Federation, which told me the Light had won the battle on your planet. The programming that you have been exposed to thus far has come to an end, at least for the time being so that you can continue your journey without being distracted. 
Many are now feeling peace and feelings of joy, which continue to radiate around the globe. The light has won. The war is at an end. The presence of dark energies has been greatly reduced, although a little work still needs to be done before the planet can give birth to its true self. Darkness cannot prevail where there is light. These days, we're living in a time of increasing enlightenment and peace. The light can always use your help to spread its message of joy, love, compassion, and unity. The world has changed greatly in the past few days. Great amounts of incoming energy are affecting every molecule on the planet. Mother Earth has truly given so much to humans, but humans have never considered her needs or what future generations will have to live on. What is happening now will be challenging for many people, but if they understand the change is necessary, they will begin the process of understanding the necessity of this transformation and also understand that they can be part of nature through love and compassion. The human species as a whole is now ready for this change. We live in a world of continuous change and within a short span of time, the new earth and the fifth dimensional world will be in full swing. True transformation can only come when most of humanity's consciousness has been raised to a level where unity can be established. We are in an exciting time where the possibility of bringing together the brightest from all over the world is awakening from their deep slumber. Do you know how many light workers are there on Earth? The number of light workers is much greater than the number of people who are active in politics, religions, or celebrities. Just think about it for a moment. The reason lies in the fact that this profession does not carry any kind of status or publicity. Nonetheless, it is among them that many tasks that will lead to humanity's ascension are carried out. Thanks to them, thousands of people around the world have learned things about themselves and our planet. Thanks to these people. They help us to regain trust in ourselves and become more aware of ourselves and what we do. And this is something very important if we want to ascend. The great changes that are taking place on the earth and in humanity are starting to manifest themselves. From deep within each one of you, much love is coming forth. This will be the fuel that will help you move forward during this transformation of humanity. Your bases on earth are being strengthened with each passing day. You are on the right path to becoming more powerful in many ways. We have mentioned the same thing before, so it is not unexpected, yet who knows what you can achieve with dedication and hard work. We will do that, take our part, and as best as we can, be compassionate and loving to all beings and help make the earth a better place both for living and healing. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. Aho. This is a message to humanity from Aurora Ray, Ambassador of the Galactic Federation. Thank you, Ron. Yes. And thank you, Aurora Ray. <clears throat> Ascension is a, a move coming from our higher awareness of the true nature of who we are. Yeah, Rama? 
Yes. And we got that moon almost full. I guess it's tomorrow afternoon, New York time, four or something. Right. Not new moon, full moon. Full moon. And lunar eclipse. We'll learn some more about that tomorrow. I mean, I feel so happy to be what? Yeah, yeah. So happy to be co-creating our new heaven and our new earth in a group. Yes. I mean, doing it together. This is the era of world group service. Let it begin with me, <laughs> and me, and me, and me, and you, and you, and me. And, uh, yes, kitties are really connected to humans. Doggies are, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of in unique ways. <laughs> um. Yes, our animals are really supporting all of us now. They don't have exactly the same thing in terms of the words, but they they can they know what's going on. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Tigger, can you be good? Um, so we're awakening uh, as um, our friend, Mr. Michi, right? Yes. David Michi, we are awakening the kitten within. Getting that purr down, huh? Yes. <laughs> what do you want to say, Robert? Um, learning to purr is a place of coming into that place of the oneness, hearing that one hand clapping, I can put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And life and uh, all of those things that we don't really need anymore, we just send strong vibrations of love and light. And peace. And joy. And joy. And that nature of our being to do that, that's natural. All this other stuff doesn't have much to do with the nature of our being. So we can let it go, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, we can let ourselves go, too, because um, there's a live presentation coming up here for the next uh, person here. So we will, uh, Rama, give us our phone number so we can get together on the conference. Oh, um, 720-716-7301. And the pin code is 353-863-POUND. Okay. And... Um, you want to do that one more time? 720-716-7301. And the pin code is 353-863-POUND. 
And I just heard Mother saying, you know, out of the ashes rises a whole new humanity. And she said within a month, post the enactment of Nassara law, all this war and death and all of the uh, destruction, it'll all be gone and it'll be a beautiful, beautiful garden. Let's uh, keep that in our hearts. And so we'll see you on that conference call, everyone. Uh, And then at the top of the very next hour, we'll be right back here at BBS Radio. Best radio in the universe. Namaste.
Precious Heart, thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. The light that is flowing through the portal of the Eclipse series we are now in the midst of has been building in momentum day by day. This celestial event began on October 14th with the new moon solar eclipse and will be brought to fruition during the full moon lunar eclipse on October 28th. During this time, the main focus and the information from the heavenly realms has been to awaken within the deep, deepest recesses of our heart flames 
the sacred knowledge that reveals the skills and lessons we have learned throughout our many lifetimes that will help us to awaken the reality of the oneness of all life within the hearts and minds of our sisters and brothers in the family of humanity. Today, in order to empower that holy endeavor further, the company of heaven will join us as we once again implement a powerful activity of light that our I am presence and the directors of the elements have used over the years to incrementally recalibrate our earthly bodies to withstand more light. Each time this acceleration has taken place, our I am presence and our body elemental have been able to secure higher and higher frequencies of fifth dimensional crystalline solar light within our bodies into the core of purity in every electron of our physical, etheric, mental, and emotional bodies. If you have the heart call to participate in this activity of light, please join with the company of heaven and light workers around the world now. And we begin. I am my I am presence and I am one with the I am presence of every person evolving on this planet. I am one with my Father, Mother, God. I am one with the solar logos from suns beyond suns. I am one with the mighty Elohim. And I am one with all of the beings of light associated with the elemental kingdom and the angelic kingdom. Through the divine intervention of this collective body of light beings, I invoke the most intensified frequencies of fifth dimensional crystalline solar light from the very core of creation that humanity and the earth are capable of receiving at this time. I ask that as this crystalline solar light accelerates the divine alchemy that is transfiguring my carbon-based earthly bodies into fifth dimensional crystalline solar light bodies. It also accelerates this process within the earthly bodies of humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth in perfect alignment with each one's divine plan and the highest good for all concerned. Now, under the direction of our Father, Mother, God, the mighty Elohim, the fifth dimensional directors of the elements, take their strategic positions in preparation for this powerful activity of light. The directors of the air element and the sylphs of the air take their positions at the cardinal point to the north. 
the directors of the water element and the undines of the water take their positions at the cardinal point to the east. The directors of the earth element and the nature spirits of the earth take their positions at the cardinal point to the south. The directors of the fire element and the salamanders of the fire take their positions at the cardinal point to the west. The directors of the ether element and the devas and devarajas of the ethers take their position within the sun of even pressure in the center of the earth. Now, the directors of the elements sound a cosmic tone, signaling to humanity's body elementals that the time has come to manifest the perfection of humanity's fifth dimensional crystalline solar light bodies. Every person's body elemental responds with deep gratitude and an exceptional willingness to heal the maladies in our earthly bodies that they were forced to create after the fall. Now, all is in readiness. I first perceive my crystalline, etheric, solar light body. This is the vehicle that is encoded with my full divine potential and my divine plan. My etheric body is associated with the air element and is the vehicle that sets the tone or vibration for all of the energy that enters the world through my physical body. My I am presence and my fifth dimensional body elemental step to the forefront and take command of this vehicle. As I breathe in deeply, my mother God, the Holy Spirit, now baptizes my crystalline etheric solar light body with sacred fire. This blessing seals the new fifth dimensional solar frequencies of the air element within this vehicle and a scintillating force field of infinite perfection is formed. My crystalline emotional solar light body now comes into view. This vehicle is associated with the water element. It is the body through which the love nature of my father, mother, God is expressed in the world of form. This is my most powerful vehicle. 80% of my life force is released through my emotional body. My 
my I am presence and my fifth dimensional body elemental step forth to take command of this vehicle. As they do the full divine momentum of my father, mother, God's love begins to flow through my heart flame. The love of God expands through my crystalline emotional solar light body and forms a cosmic force field of divine love that encompasses the entire planet Earth. My mother God now baptizes my most powerful crystalline emotional solar light body with sacred fire. My feeling nature becomes one with the feeling nature of God. My emotional world is now filled with God's infinite love and all of the various aspects of God's wondrous love. This blessing seals the new fifth dimensional solar frequencies of the water element within this vehicle and a scintillating force field of infinite perfection is formed. Now, my crystalline physical solar light body comes to the fore. My physical body is associated with the earth element. The limitless physical perfection of my I am presence is reflected in my magnificent fifth dimensional crystalline solar light body. My I am presence and my fifth dimensional body elemental take command of this vehicle. My crystalline physical solar light body is composed of fifth dimensional crystalline cells that are absorbing the new frequencies of solar light now bathing the earth and assimilating that light into the atoms and molecules that form each cell of my body. My mother God now baptizes my crystalline physical solar light body with sacred fire. The infinite physical perfection of my I am presence is permanently secured in the cellular structures of my physical body. This blessing seals the new fifth dimensional solar frequencies of the earth element within this vehicle and a scintillating force field of infinite perfection is formed. My crystalline mental solar light body now reveals itself to me. This vehicle is associated with the fire element. My crystalline mental solar light body 
is one with the divine mind of God. My I am presence and my fifth dimensional body elemental take command of this vehicle, causing it to blaze like a giant sun of light, forming a halo around my head. As the halo of light expands through my mental body, it encompasses all of my crystalline solar light bodies and I am a radiant sun of infinite light. The sacred fire breath of my Father Mother God activates my divine mind and I clearly receive the divine thoughts, ideas, concepts, imagination, and all aspects of divine mind beyond imagination. All of these reflections of divine intelligence and divine mind are anchoring and reflecting into my outer consciousness as divine enlightenment. My mother God now baptizes my crystalline mental solar light body with sacred fire. The divine mind of God is reflected through my conscious mind and perpetually reflects through my mental body. This blessing seals the new fifth dimensional solar frequencies of the fire element within this vehicle and a scintillating force field of infinite perfection is formed. I am now abiding on earth in my etheric, emotional, physical, and mental fifth dimensional solar light bodies. And so it is. Beloved I am, beloved I am, beloved I am. Dear one, please pay attention to the wondrous solar light that will bless all life on earth during the final days of this eclipse series. God bless you. I look forward to being with you next week. Pleiadian Frequency Light Shields Transmission. And this transmission.
transmission is designed to protect you from frequency weapons aimed at your energy fields and chakra system, whether directly or through the aura of another unaware person. Begin open body, open mind. Focusing on the cycle of breath. The in-breath is the invitation of light from the universe around you, 360 degrees, into your body of bone and blood blood organs infusing your body with light and on the outbreath purging and releasing anything that no longer serves you back to the universe back to the light space in your physical body for your own soul's light and on the in-breath the invitation of light into the emotional body a fluid field of energy that surrounds and penetrates the physical body you are holding other people's emotional energy or any stuck emotional energy in your field on the out breath is the invitation to purge and release sending it back to the light allowing more light more space for your own soul's light in the emotional body following that cycle of breath the in-breath is the invitation of light into the mental body a fluid field of energy that surrounds and penetrates the emotional body and physical body Anywhere you're holding mental energy that doesn't belong to you or that is stuck or crystallized and needs to be released. On the outbreath, sending it back to the universe, other people's thoughts or ideas or judgments or opinions or belief systems or stories that do not serve you, sending them back to the light, allowing more space in your mental body for your own soul's light. 
and following that cycle of breath, I call to your teams in spirit of the highest light resonance, your higher selves from the sixth dimension to the twelfth dimension. All angels working with you, all archangels working with you, all 5D to 12D star beings, star races, star councils, specialist teams in spirit working with you, ascended beings in spirit working with you. Come be with you now. Come be with you now. And just feeling the click, the connection. And I also call to you Pleiadian Archangels from the Central Sun and Pleiadian 5D Ascended Beings and 4D Warrior Pleiadian Groups who have a knowledge of 4D Frequency Weaponry. Just feeling these beings assemble, assisting you. And any other beings who can assist you in this process. Let's call the Archangels of the Horizontal Plane, beginning in the East with Raphael, Archangel of Air, Archangel of the Mind. The symbol of this Archangel is a crystal wand and the energy is emerald green fire. As you focus on the wand, inviting that fire to hold your space, your personal space. To the south is Michael, Archangel of the Element of Fire, Archangel of the Sun. The symbol of this angel is a sword of flaming blue light. The energy is electric blue fire. As you focus on that symbol, calling that fire into your space to hold your personal space.
to the west is Gabriel, Archangel of Water, of the emotions. The symbol is a silver chalice. And the energy is diamond white fire. Inviting that fire into your space as you focus on the symbol to hold your personal space during this transmission. And the fourth Archangel is Uriel, Archangel of Earth, of structure, of form. The symbol is a golden pentacle. And the energy is ruby red fire. As you focus on that symbol, inviting that fire to hold your space. Four archangels, four energies, and open. Let's also invite the Archangels of the Vertical Force Plane, Metatron and Sandophon. Beginning with Metatron from the Great Central Sun to call down the Christ Grid through the crystalline core of our Sun down into this ascending dimension of the Earth Plane. down into the structure of the building around you. The walls, floor and ceiling, closing off the space and sealing it from any dark force interference. Let's call to Sandophon from the crystalline grid of the earth below to bring that diamond white crystalline light up to the foundations of the building you're in, grounding the whole structure into the earth. Up to your feet, grounding your whole aura into the earth, the crystalline grid of the earth. Six angels, six energies, and open.
And to begin, let's call on Metatron and all archangels working with Metatron and Pleiadian archangels from the central sun to place a seal of protection around your energy fields, around the outside of your aura. And this seal is a silver white with a golden sheen. protective seal around the whole of your aura. And let's ask all Pleiadians to create a series of shields to the front of your head, with the center of protection being the third eye. And this shield is made up of a number of concentric circles, with the largest closest to your third eye and the smallest further out in your auric field. this shield is made of a specific crystalline metallic light that deflects and neutralizes any frequency beams aimed at the top half of your body, particularly your third eye. And let's ask Pleiadian Archangels to place a crystal gem the size of a small orange infused with light from the central sun of the Pleiades behind the shield, also to give further protection to your third eye. Let's ask the Pleiadians to create a series of shields to the back of your head, with the center of protection being the back of the third eye. 
Again, concentric circles with the largest closest to the back of your head and the smallest further out. Just allow that to be adjusted and fixed into place. And also asking the Pleiadian Archangels again to place a similarly sized crystal gem at the back of your third eye. breathe and open, allowing all of this to be adjusted to fit your own aura. Again, asking the Pleiadians to create a series of shields to the front of your lower body. With the center of protection being the front of the solar plexus. Again, a number of concentric shields at the front of your body. allowing this to be adjusted and fixed. behind these shields, 
Pleiadian archangels to place a similarly sized crystal gem infused again with the light from the central sun of the Pleiades. Behind the shield, again to give extra protection. allowing all of this to be adjusted. Asking the Pleiadians to create a series of shields to the back of your lower body, with the center of protection being the back of the solar plexus. Just allow that to form. And to be adjusted and fixed into place. Again, Pleiadian Archangels placing a gem behind those shields, giving you extra protection. asking the Pleiadians and all Archangels to connect this protection, all of the shields and all of the gems to offer you maximum protection. Just allow this adjustment to happen, adjusting these shields, maximizing their protection for you.
asking the Pleiadians to monitor these shields and continue to assist you in this form of protection. And finally, let's call on Metatron and all Pleiadian Archangels to reinforce the outer seal around your energy fields. This silver white and golden sheen seal, protecting you again from frequency beams, reflecting them, neutralizing them. Just take a breath, allowing all of this to be adjusted. Let's thank all angels and beings working with you. 
Pleiadian, 4D and 5D beings, Pleiadian archangels, archangels of the horizontal plane and vertical force plane, especially Metatron. Allowing them all to step back. This transmission is offered to you, as always, with love and blessings. Love and blessings. We are all servants of peace. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's huge.
Greetings, Mother. In the light of the most radiant one in the office of the Christ and only in the office of the Christ we invoke the energy of Saint Germain and we ask this time for embracing these energies coming in here of this full moon lunar eclipse where is that moon <laughs> oh okay <laughs> And um, I understand it's uh, going to lift us up in a really good way, these energies. I can feel it. I know people are uh, experiencing sleeping for days. <laughs> Mother, what's going on in this universe? Greetings, greetings to you. I pass this talking stick. Greetings, children of Ra. Indeed, magic and miracles are going on in this local universe. It is about the light has won. Like it's been being said yet Pluto digging it all up for everyone to see it's quite a cosmic dance not so pretty to see the other side of Pluto. We can say it is a glorious time to be alive. Mm. Not the same moment, quite precarious. I was going to say, that's a duality, isn't it? Yes. A dichotomy. In this realm, it is not seemingly in the others. It is all in divine harmony. What's unfolding? We are living in the most unique of times. We have the power to change this now with our thoughts. War is never the answer. 
the ocean of light that is pouring in from creator source at this time is creating the opportunity for a shift of gigantic proportions things that are going on that seem out of sorts with one another is about the particles and molecules coming back into alignment. There is so much unfolding. It is all good. The simplicity of the universe is magnificent. Mm -hmm. What's happening at this time all of heaven and earth, all the kingdoms, queendoms are speaking to us quite explicitly, saying enough of the stuff in the Middle East. The mistrust of one another based on false ideas about creator source and everyone is equal in creator source eyes. It's our own Maya, the matrix that gets in the way ideas about enough, not enough, too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What has happened is like Patty speaks about this is the most unique of times because we are receiving our 12 strands of DNA and the light bodies are fully activated. Mm -hmm. This eclipse here in the next hours gonna be the feather that hits the scale. The feather of Ma'at? 
podcast. Mm. It's about breakthrough. Scorpio. The Phoenix. Hmm. All that that is not of the office of the Christ is being turned asunder. To use those old words, it's simply about a shift in the timelines. We are fully anchoring in ourselves as well as this realm, Satyuga. And Kali is on her way out with the blood rituals. (laughs) It still doesn't look much different, Mother. Something's got to give here. Yes. It is most unique to be here in this present moment Mm. with all of what's happening. It is very good because things are coming back into balance. This is what's being said. We are in many places all at once and nowhere at all. It's to shift the energies. We come not with vengeance, but with love. Love is the answer to all the situations going on. This present situation in the Middle East is about the last little story about our wayward children have run out of time. They have not run out of love. They think they have all the money in the world, but they don't. The ego has run its course. When you look at the sun and your day-to-day activities, ask the sun to show you in your inner eye, in your heart, 
what there is to do, you will be shown. It's all presented in the frequencies of living light, living love. The drama unfolding in the Middle East is the last stand, so to speak, of the old energies. Many other places on the planet having that same moment. It is that we are in a new timeline. The old energies don't fit with what's coming in. With the light of 10 trillion suns, <clears throat> our bodies are being filled with that light every day from the sun. Gotta stop. Take a moment and just allow it to come in. It is quite easy. All the Maya makes it difficult with our conscious illusions here of the ego. It is all being shifted right in this now moment. Can you not see it? I think so, Mother. I think I can see it. Uh, yes. They're getting uh, completely exhausted trying to keep the game going and it isn't waking too well. No. <laughs> What's happening is they're running out of options. Mm-hmm. So what's the last story? Fear. To create distractions to separate the mind from the heart. It's not working as much as it used to. People are waking up, claiming their power like never before. That is the shift. And people are upset with what has happened. Yes, war crimes are being committed on both sides. That's why we're here. Gotta equalize the drama. How we do that is with the energies of the violet flame and the frequencies pouring in 
from great central sun. Everything that's going on right now is about this end story and the beginning of a new one. Heaven on earth, it's already happening. Mm. In spite of their best efforts to keep you locked away in the matrix, not working. Not working. People know what freedom feels like now. Yes. As we always say, when there is an energy force that is out of its space-time continuum, that we could describe as evil. We come to equalize the drama. And let's say it is about the energy pouring in from creator source in of itself. The light from the sun is shifting the physical space-time matter here. This is why things feel a bit chaotic. And it is coming to a completion as the Hopi prophecy says there needs to be some purification that's what's occurring it's in here <laughs> as it is only about love I'm going to play Amy on there, right, Mother? Yes. We just we are just saying in this sacred hour going through this holy time of the shift of the seasons true Zawin the first day of winter oh no really in northern hemisphere Halloween Zawin but I thought we, that was the 21st, that, this, that the winter starts, not till the <coughs> 21st, actually. Although it feels like it's getting there pretty fast, <laughs> otherwise. It is the gateway to the winter season. Mm, I see. Mm. 
in the southern hemisphere it is the gateway from spring into summer mm-hmm. and what's happening in this great cycle all the teachers masters angels are here you heard this guy Steve Nobel speaking about the Pleiadian archangels call us in believe in the magic you will see just gotta trust have the faith to walk that invisible path you will see it greetings in light of the lost radiant one kados 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 Kadosh,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可多,可
Yeah. Is the weather going to be more balanced around the whole planet? Yes. Things Not are, 60 below zero somewhere. Things are going to mellow out here. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it is this moment here that we're passing through. Just the shift of an ages. It's true. Yeah. Got to send more love to all the situations, mm-hmm. no matter what. We're just gonna let's make sure that we keep that in mind when we listen to Amy, because it's a humdinger. It is. What's going on is we have the power to transmute the energy with our own. Yeah, aligning we do. It. It's. A challenge to be here to feel these energies and transform them. Did uh, you get a message as to what we should share with everybody? Right now, I, I guess I could say that what is being said from Lady Master Athena's ship is that right now we're in the final moments of this cycle and the dark side is playing itself out. Our biggest task is to send more love no matter what's going on that's how we get through it and to stay in the oneness like all the animals are telling me this is what these butterflies are telling me (laughs) lady master athena's ship to stay in the oneness and experience the 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 wonder the beauty of all that is transpiring, it changes our point of view. Mm -hmm. So we get a better perspective of what's about to happen. And it is about the fact that the light has won. These guys know it. And... um, They will receive their medicine. Mother knows exactly what to do, and I ain't going to say no more. I'll leave it up to the rest. (laughs) Yeah, we can do this. We can. All right, what's happening here? Um, Blaze of violet fire. All right, here we go with Amy. We're ready. From New York, this is Democracy Now! 
UNRWA, the UN Agency for Palestine Refugees, is about to run out of supplies, including fuel that is needed for incubators and life support machines and hospitals. It's needed for bakeries. It's needed for water pumping. If we run out of fuel, we will not be able to deliver any humanitarian assistance. Gaza is being strangled. That's the latest warning from the United Nations about the dire humanitarian crisis in Gaza. As Palestinian authorities say over 7,300 people have now been killed in Israel's 21-day bombardment. We'll speak to a top UNRWA official. That's the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, which is sheltering over 600,000 displaced Gazans. Then we speak to an Israeli man who helped negotiate a prisoner swap with Hamas in 2011 that freed the Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit after five years. We'll also speak to New York University law student, Rena Workman, who lost a job at a prestigious law firm after speaking up for Palestinian rights. The biggest message I want to tell everyone right now is that no one should be punished for speaking out for Palestinian human rights. And the backlash we're seeing against me is creating a much larger and much more intense chilling effect for other students. And I think that in this moment, we need to be able to feel empowered to speak up and call for a ceasefire and end this genocide. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The United Nations has warned many more Palestinians will die due to catastrophic shortages of food, water, and medicine as Israel's nonstop bombardment of the Gaza Strip entered its 21st day. Earlier today, Philippe Lazzarini, the head of the United Nations Agency for Palestinian Refugees, known as UNRWA, warned his agency's operations are crumbling as Gazans starve. He called Israel's siege collective punishment of more than two million people, a majority of whom are women and children. And he said the mere 84 aid trucks that Israel has so far allowed to cross into Gaza is totally inadequate to address the needs of the population. These fuel trucks are nothing more than the crumbs that will not make a difference for the two million people in the street. We should avoid conveying the message that fuel trucks a day means the siege is lifted for humanitarian aid. This is not true. Gaza's health ministry has published the names of more than 6,700 Palestinians killed since Israel launched its assault on the Gaza Strip three three weeks ago. The 200-plus page report lists the name, age, gender, and ID number of each victim of the bombardment. The toll does not include the names of 281 people whose bodies could not be identified, bringing the toll to more than 7,000. Nor does it include more than 1,500 Palestinians missing and believed to be trapped under the rubble. 2,665 children are listed among the dead. The ministry made the names public after President Biden Wednesday cast doubt on Gaza's official death toll. I have no notion that Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it's the price of waging a war. Omar Shaker of Human Rights Watch said his organization has always found data from the Gaza Ministry of Health reliable. He said that until quite recently, even the U.S. State Department cited the ministry's data without caveat. 
think it's worth noting that this creates a fog of war, a fog of misinformation, which can provide political cover for more large-scale atrocities to take place. The conversation should focus on how world leaders can stop further mass atrocities and not nitpicking whether a number that's generally proven to be accurate may be a little bit off. Al Jazeera's Gaza bureau chief, Al-Gadou, returned to the airwaves on Thursday, a day after an Israeli airstrike killed 12 members of his family. Gadou resumed broadcasting from a Gaza rooftop hours after he led prayers at a funeral for his wife, son, daughter, grandson, and other relatives. I saw it as my duty to get back to work as quickly as possible, despite everything. Because as you can see, the bombardment is still ongoing. There are airstrikes and artillery shelling, and things continue to develop. The Committee to Protect Journalists reports at least 27 journalists have been killed since October 7th, four Israelis, one Lebanese, and 22 Palestinians. European Union leaders called Thursday for a humanitarian pause in Israel's bombardment of Gaza, but stopped short of calling for a ceasefire. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen reaffirmed EU support for Israel, saying it had the right to self-defense in line with international law. She also blamed Hamas for provoking the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Her remarks came after Human Rights Watch director Tarana Hassan condemned both Hamas and Israel for targeting innocent civilians. Hassan testified on Wednesday to the European Parliament Subcommittee on Human Rights. You cannot wipe out entire families, let a health system be destroyed, raise entire districts to the ground, refer to people as animals. You can't punish an entire population for, by preventing desperately needed aid from reaching them. International humanitarian law is clear. Atrocities from one side do not justify atrocities from the other side. At an emergency session of the UN General Assembly in New York, the Palestinian envoy to the United Nations, Riyad Mansour, pleaded with representatives to vote in favor of a resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza and the increased delivery of humanitarian aid. Vote to stop the killing. Vote for humanitarian aid to reach those whose very survival depends on it. Vote to stop this madness. The UN General Assembly's 193 member states are voting on the non-binding resolution today after the U.S. repeatedly vetoed Security Council resolutions calling for a ceasefire. The Pentagon says U.S. forces attacked two facilities in Syria linked to Iranian armed groups in response to earlier attacks on U.S. military personnel in Iraq and Syria. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said the U.S. strikes were not connected to the conflict in Israel and Palestine. 900 U.S. troops are also headed to the Middle East. This is Pentagon Press Secretary Patrick Ryder. While I won't talk specific deployment locations for these forces, I can confirm that they are not going to Israel. And then again, they are intended to support regional deterrence efforts and further bolster U.S. force protection capabilities. 
Florida's state university system, in collaboration with Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, has issued a memo ordering college campuses to shut down a Palestinian solidarity student organization. Florida officials accuse Students for Justice in Palestine of providing harmful support for terrorist groups, unquote. Palestine Legal, which defends the free speech of Palestinian rights activists, said in a statement the memo was, quote, filled with erroneous factual and legal claims that seek to distract from, distort, and silence the message of student activists across the United States, the same way Israeli propaganda has sought to distract public attention from ongoing Israeli war crimes, Palestine Legal wrote. Meanwhile, Governor DeSantis said Thursday he's made arrangements to send drones, weapons, and ammunition to Israel as it prepares for a ground invasion of Gaza. We'll speak with the head of Palestine Legal later in the broadcast. In Mexico, at least 27 people were killed and several others are missing in and around Acapulco after Hurricane Otis ripped through Mexico's Pacific coast, knocking out all communications and leaving behind a trail of destruction. The Category 5 storm was the strongest East Pacific hurricane on record to make landfall with 165 mile per hour winds. A local camera person who filmed the devastating aftermath in Acapulco recounted living through the hurricane. There was a moment when the building was moving from side to side, water was coming in, water was entering. You could still hear a thousand and one things thundering up, down, left, right, everything, everything was thundering. And then I remember that Barbara and I hugged each other and began to pray. We began to say goodbye with telepathy, literally, because we could not send messages. In Panama, nationwide indigenous-led protests and blockades intensified this week, demanding the government reverse its approval of a 20-year contract for a foreign-owned open-pit copper mine. Police fire tear gas at demonstrators who say the mine will poison freshwater sources. They also cited corruption allegations against lawmakers. Dozens have been arrested. Opponents say the new contract for the Cobre Panama mine was fast-tracked with little public input or transparency. The mine is the largest in Central America. It's owned by Canada's first quantum minerals. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken welcomed his Chinese counterpart to Washington, D.C. on Thursday as the Biden administration seeks to repair fraught ties with Beijing. Foreign Minister Wang Yi spoke briefly to reporters before his meeting with Blinken at the State Department. Through dialogue, we can increase understanding, reduce misunderstanding and misjudgments, constantly seek to expand common ground and pursue cooperation that will benefit both sides. Wang Yi's trip to Washington, D.C. came after California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom held a surprise meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping in Beijing on Wednesday. Newsom said after the talks he hoped the United States and China are at a turning point in their relations. And in Maine, the manhunt continues for the suspect in Wednesday night shooting rampage that killed 18 people and wounded 13 others in Lewiston, Maine's second largest city. Residents have been instructed to continue sheltering in place while many schools remain closed today, including uh, schools like Bates and the Portland public school system.
The suspect, 40-year-old Robert Card, is a white Army reservist firearms trainer who was hospitalized in a mental health facility over the summer after he threatened to shoot up a National Guard base in New York. Investigators are reportedly looking into whether the shooter was targeting his partner or former partner. Maine does not require permits to carry guns, does not require background checks, and has no red flags. On social media, one of Maine's most prominent residents, the author Stephen King, wrote, it's the rapid-fire killing machines, people. This is madness in the name of freedom. Stop electing apologists for murder, unquote. On Thursday, Maine Democratic Congress member Jared Golden, a Marine Corps veteran who lives in Lewiston, said the massacre had changed his views on gun control. I have opposed efforts to ban deadly weapons of war like the assault rifle used to carry out this crime. The time has now come for me to take responsibility for this failure which is why I now call on the United States Congress to ban assault rifles like the one used by the sick perpetrator of this mass killing in my hometown of Lewiston, Maine. In another mass shooting, police on Thursday found five people fatally shot in Clinton, North Carolina, suspect a motive have not yet been identified. There have been close to 600 mass shootings in the United States this year alone. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Gaza's being strangled. That's the latest warning from the United Nations about the dire humanitarian crisis in Gaza as Palestinian authorities say over 7,300 people have now been killed in Israel's 21-day bombardment. More than 1,000 Palestinians are believed to still be trapped under the rubble of buildings leveled by Israeli airstrikes and shelling. Earlier today, the head of UNRWA, that's the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, called for far more aid to be allowed into Gaza through the Rafah border crossing. This is UNRWA head Philippe Lazzarini. As we speak, people in Gaza are dying. They are not only dying from bombs and strike. Soon, many more will die from the consequences of siege imposed on the Gaza Strip. Basic services are crumbling, medicine is running out, food and water are running out, the streets of Gaza have started overflowing with sewage, Gaza is on the brink of a massive health hazard at the risk of diseases are looming. More than 600,000 displaced Palestinians are now living in UNRWA shelters, but the agency says its operations are crumbling due to a lack of supplies. The United Nations says at least 12 hospitals in Gaza have been forced to stop operations, as have about two-thirds of Gaza's 72 primary health clinics. We go now to Amman, Jordan, where we're joined by UNRWA spokesperson Tamara Arifa. Welcome to Democracy Now!, Tamara. Can you talk about the situation in Gaza right now, what UNRWA is dealing with? No words can describe what the Gazans are dealing with. They are living a humanitarian situation of colossal magnitude. Let's remember that we're talking about 2.2 million people living on the Strip. One million of them are already displaced from the north of the Gaza Strip to the south, cramped in UNRWA schools and other buildings that were not ready to receive such a huge amount of people, many of them having lost their homes, their loved ones, and their families. Inside these shelters, 
the conditions are really unsanitary because we're not able to produce sufficient clean water for people to drink and bathe themselves because we don't have fuel for the water desalination plants. We also do not have sufficient medicines and sufficient food to nourish, to give all these people. So we are truly facing a big, a huge humanitarian crisis. And UNRWA on top of it has already lost 57 staff members. So I have lost 57 colleagues, some of them killed in the line of duty while they were helping others in Gaza. Can you talk about these trucks that are supposedly of aid coming through the border? Um, They said that they were going to allow many more. There's just been a trickle of trucks. How many trucks and how much aid is needed and what exactly is needed? Are we actually talking about four and 500 a day that are needed? And we're talking about possibly eight trucks going over the border? Yes, Amy, we're talking about a trickle. We're also talking about a drop of aid going in after shuttle diplomacy, marathons of political meetings at the highest level. What UNRWA is calling for, the UN Agency for Palestine Refugees, is an immediate humanitarian ceasefire and a continuous, unimpeded and safe flow of aid. Eight trucks a day today, 12 yesterday, 20 the day before, can these really be sufficient for a population of 2.2 million people all stranded under complete seal? For context, before this crisis, and even then nothing was normal, 500 trucks used to come into the Gaza Strip from Eretz, from Israel, and from Rafah, from Egypt. A hundred of these trucks contained humanitarian and food assistance because already before this conflict, 70% of people in Gaza relied on food assistance from the UN and lived under the poverty line. So really a handful of trucks every day does nothing in the face of the immense needs in food, water, medical supplies, medicine, and mostly fuel. Fuel has been completely barred. So if we at UNRWA do not get fuel in the coming day or so, we will no longer be able to support hospitals and their life-saving machines and incubators, to support bakeries with bread who are, that are making bread, which is the only um, food that most Gazans are taking, are, are having. And we're not able, we're not going to be able to support the desalination plants that brings clean water to people. And mostly speaking of trucks, we need fuel to be able to pick up the supplies from the Rafah crossing. All this is at risk of total collapse if we do not get fuel. Tamara Al-Rafai, how do you respond to the Israeli government saying that if they allow fuel in, it will be stolen by Hamas? I respond by saying we're a credible humanitarian UN agency with very high due diligence standards and that we receive the fuel ourselves and store it in our warehouses and deliver it to our partners directly. We have a whole system that the Israelis know about that ensures 
that everything that we receive as UNRWA is used strictly for humanitarian purposes. We're talking to Tamara Rafai, who is uh, a spokesperson uh, for uh, UNRWA, the United Nations Agency for Palestine Refugees. Can you specifically talk about a situation in, for example, one of your hospitals? Explain who's there. I mean, the fact that UNRWA, that there are 600,000 of the 2.4 or 2.3 million Palestinians, you are responsible taking refuge in your facilities? I would like you to visualize a school, any regular school that usually receives 2000 kids. And then think of that school as a place where six or seven or 8,000 people, entire families now live. It is a place that is not ready in terms of logistics and facilities and toilets and showers and access to electricity and water to receive 8,000 people. What we have done is for the sake of some privacy, especially for women and girls, we have put the women and girls in the classrooms where they can close a door and the men and boys in the courtyards. These people rely 100% on our ability to provide electricity, water, food, and medical attention to them while they're in our shelters. Shelters are overcrowded. We're already facing major public health risks because of that overcrowding and the lack of access of people to water and to the ability to wash themselves. You spoke about hospitals. My colleague visited this morning Al-Shifa Hospital. That's the biggest hospital in Gaza and the, one, the oldest also, and the one that usually receives complex, more complicated um, cases. And during conflicts, it receives the war wounded. My colleague told me about dead bodies lying in the corridors, on the floor. There are no more body bags available in the hospital. There is almost no electricity, save for a few hours a day. The doctors are operating with the light from their cell phones. Entire families are now living in that hospital in the middle of an emergency room because they thought that going to the hospital or going to a UN, an UNRWA building, will give them protection. While in reality, until now, 42 of our buildings are shelters that are supposed to be protected with the blue UN flag were damaged during the fighting. Seven of these buildings received a direct hit. I wanted to play for you what uh, Tennessee Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn called for, the defunding of your organization, UNRWA. Whether it is the UN Relief and Work Agency for Palestinian Refugees or uh, any of the other entities that are involved with aid, Hamas is getting the money. We know from the Relief Agency that they have that $730 billion that has gone in there. This agency has hired Hamas-affiliated individuals. We know Hamas has stolen that money. We know that they have hidden weaponry in the facilities of this agency that are located there in Gaza. So letting them have access to these funds is not a smart thing to do. That's Tennessee Republican Senator um, uh, Marsha Blackburn. Can you respond to her allegation? I can respond by saying that every single person who works at UNRWA or 
receives UNRWA assistance is checked against the UN Security Council sanctions list. And that as a UN agency, we are bound by the values and principles of the UN, mostly the principles of humanity, independence, um, independence from any political party and neutrality. We've heard these allegations, we've heard, we, and we hear them routinely, but we do prove every time how UNRWA is principled, how it reaches people in need. We report back on all the funds we receive from every government, the US government included. And in fact, the US is currently our largest donor. It is back to being our largest donor after several years of defunding under the previous administration. And we're extremely grateful for the uh, cooperation and the good working relations we now have with the US government to whom we always give back full reports in transparency about all our operations, our activity, our activities, the location of our operations and how we spend US taxpayers money. Tamara Rafai, finally, how do you respond to this controversy over the health ministry's numbers around the death toll? Um, President Biden raised it, said you can't trust it because it's run by Hamas. Um, we quoted Omar Shakir of uh, Human Rights Watch saying, not only has Human Rights Watch re relied on these figures and the United Nations, but the State Department itself has cited these numbers. Absolutely. And by the way, Omar Shakir and Tirana Hassan are my former colleagues, and I very much subscribe to what I heard on this show by them. It is true that the Ministry of Health has always provided figures that international uh, groups and, and policy think tanks and researchers and governments have used. In any large catastrophe, even if it's a, um, a natural catastrophe, the figures cannot be exact science during the catastrophe. We will always give or take a few tens, but we will always also have a, an idea of the scale and scope. So it is a few thousands and many more numbers will come up once we have the full picture and all these bodies are removed from under the rubble. Tamara Al-Rafai, we want to thank you for being with us, spokesperson for UNRWA, the United Nations Agency for Palestine Refugees, speaking to us from Amman, Jordan. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org. I'm Amy Goodman. We turn now to an update on a past guest who appeared on Democracy Now! An Israeli airstrike has killed five members of his family. That's the family of the Gazan poet, journalist, and peace activist, Ahmed Abu Artema, who survived the blast but was seriously injured. The dead include his 12-year-old son. He helped inspire the Great March of Return, a series of weekly nonviolent protests in Gaza that began in 2018. Israel responded to the protests by killing over 200 protesters including 46 children. Artema recently wrote an article for The Nation magazine headlined, Gaza is being killed, we desperately need your help. Artema wrote, quote, Israel sent us a clear message when it responded to our peaceful protests with such bloodshed. 
It doesn't matter if you attempt to achieve your demands nonviolently. We will kill you and deny you your rights regardless, he wrote. In 2019, I interviewed him in our studio here in New York. When I and uh, some of my friends invited to the March of Return, uh, a lot of people uh, answered this call because it was a scream for life. It, it was uh, uh, it, it was uh, 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 ex- expressed the will uh, the will of, of, of life in, in, in our hearts, Palestinians. Uh, the Palestinians in Gaza uh, are actually in in a real prison. They live in a real prison. And they are without any of uh, of the basic conditions of the uh, human life. And before that, 75% of the Palestinians inside Gaza they are refugees. That means their or, uh, their origin villages and towns uh, uh, are beyond the fence, the Israeli fence. So, uh, so uh, uh, when when tens of thousands of Palestinians shared in the march of return, they want to say uh, that we 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 never uh, give up our right to return this is our normal right and this right based on the united nations resolution 194 and from other side they wanted to say they, they want they wanted to say that we want life and nothing but life we are actually here inside gaza prison we are dying we are dying because of the uh, no medicine no food no work, no jobs, uh, no factories. Hundreds of factories were destroyed in the last uh, 10 years by Israeli attacks. So uh, this, those people uh, search of, uh, of hope. They want hope. They, they want dignified life. The march of return is a, is a scream uh, of life, is a knock on the door. When, when there is a, a person inside a prison without food, without medicine, then he hasn't any choice but to knock the door, but to, to try to escape towards the life. Th- this is exactly what the Palestinians made in Gaza. They, uh, they, they said to Israel, uh, our will of life is stronger than despair. So we continue, we, we, we want to, 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 to struggle, and we struggle for life, we struggle for humanity, we struggle for justice. And so people are protesting, they're engaging in this weekly mass protest, and you've been met by massive response of the Israeli military. Yeah. Um, talk about what happens in these Friday protests around the fence. Yeah. Yeah, some people asked me, and some journalists asked me, why uh, why the Palestinians continued their protesting uh, despite the, the high the high price of victims and injured people. I answered them: the Palestinians continue is con- are continuing their uh, uh, protesting because this is their only choice. They have haven't other choices. Uh, they, they try to they, they try to escape towards the life. 
Uh, so the people, uh, when the people uh, sh- shared in, in the march of return in these protests, they uh, they came to the uh, n- near the near the fence that separated them from their uh, their villages and and uh, and cities, uh, and the people collect peacefully. That was the Gazan poet, journalist, and peace activist Ahmed Abu Artima speaking on Democracy Now! in 2019. An Israeli airstrike has killed five members of his family. He was seriously injured. Coming up, we'll speak to an Israeli man who helped negotiate a prisoner swap with Hamas in 2011 that freed the Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit after five years in exchange for the freedom of more than 1,000 Palestinian prisoners. Back in a minute. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The Israeli military has announced it now believes 229 hostages are being held by Hamas and other militant groups in Gaza. The hostages were seized on October 7th when Hamas carried out a shocking attack that Israel says killed about 1,400 people. Hamas has released four hostages so far. On Thursday, Hamas officials claimed the Israeli bombardment of Gaza has already killed 50 of the hostages, but the group did not provide any evidence to back up this claim. A Hamas official who's part of a delegation visiting Moscow says the group will not release any more hostages until Israel halts the airstrikes. Meanwhile, families of the hostages continue to call for their loved ones to be safely returned. This is Hadass Calderon in Tel Aviv. Five members of my family have been kidnapped. Five. My mom, my niece, two children, Erez Sar, and their father, Ofer. Uh, a week ago, I was announced, I got the information that my mom and my niece have been murdered. I didn't have time to grave and to go to the funeral. Today, a week after, I went up to the grave. So today I was crying and graving. <laughs> And now I'm, I'm celebrating, you know, this, it's a surrealistic situation. We are celebrating uh, my son, Erez, is 12 years old today. We're celebrating his birthday. Uh, he, he loves the mountain bike. And uh, uh, his father also is very professional in, in uh, riding bike. So uh, that's what you see. And I wish he could be here to enjoy with everybody and to feel like a normal boy. 
We're joined now in Jerusalem by Gershon Baskin. He is Middle East Director of the International Communities Organization Human Rights Advocacy Group. In 2011, he helped negotiate the release of the Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit from Hamas captivity uh, after five years in exchange for the release of 1,027 Palestinian prisoners. His memoir is, is called In Pursuit of Peace in Israel and Palestine. Welcome back to Democracy Now!, Gershom Baskin. If you can say what you think needs to happen right now. What needs to happen is what Hamas spoke about already two weeks ago, which is a release of what they call the civilian hostages in exchange for an immediate ceasefire. That's what Hamas has been saying since yesterday, and yesterday there was a change of tone from Musa Abu Marzouk, is the Hamas official who's, who went to Moscow. I communicated with Dr. Musa Abu Marzouk yesterday, who for the first time said, there needs to be a ceasefire first, and then we'll talk about the hostages. Right now, Hamas is holding women, children, elderly people, wounded and sick people, who it's obviously against international humanitarian law to hold them, to abduct them, to kill them. It's also against Islam. It's against their own beliefs in the Quran to take women and children and elderly people as hostages. I think that Israel is prepared to grant a ceasefire to stop the bombardment of Gaza and to enable civilian hostages to come home. We have to be clear also who we're talking about, because for Hamas, every Israeli is a soldier. So it needs to be defined who they are talking about when they're talking about civilians. But there's a big complication here because Hamas is probably not holding all the hostages. The Hamas political leadership, which is scattered between Gaza, Beirut, and Doha, is not in charge of the hostages, and it's not clear that when they make an obligation, say to the Qatari government that they are willing to negotiate some kind of deal, that they are actually able to implement the deal. There's a big question about it, of who is talking to the people who have control of the hostages, and whether or not Hamas at all has control of all the hostages, because some were taken by Islamic Jihad, some by PFLP, and some by individuals who are holding hostages. Talk about your back channels, Gershon, to Hamas, to Egypt, and to Qatar. I've been talking to everyone. I've been talking to Hamas people in Gaza, in Qatar, and in Beirut. It's a very difficult conversation. And my assessment today, three weeks into this war, is that they don't have a coherent strategy. They're not all giving the same messages. And as I said, I'm not sure that they even have control. The Qataris were talking quite a lot, wanted direct contact with the Israelis. Myself and a colleague who's in Rome put them in direct contact with the Israelis. It's not sure who they're talking to on the Israeli side and if the people they're talking to the Israeli side are actually sitting in the war cabinet making the decisions. Mm -hmm. It seems that the side with the best contact are the Egyptians. The Egyptians were responsible for releasing the second two women who are Israelis without second passports. They're Israeli Israelis, members of a kibbutz along the Gaza border. One of them has been a peace activist and a volunteer driver of sick Palestinian children from Gaza to Israeli hospitals for years. 
And it seems that they were released as a result of Egyptian pressure on Al-Qassam, on the military wing of Hamas. That was Yocheved Lipschitz, who also spoke to the press after she was released. Uh, Her husband is still in, also well-known as a peace activist who went to the border crossing repeatedly to help Palestinians, and especially those who um, were having medical problems. That's right. So... How did the first two hostages get released? And do you see anything large happening now? So I think my my understanding of what happened with the two sets of women who were released is that the first one was the result of direct pressure of President Biden and Secretary Blinken on the Qatari government, who applied pressure on the political leadership of Hamas, who is hosted in Qatar. And and, and President Biden mentioned their names, specifically their American citizens who live in Chicago. I believe that the second set of the two women who were released was a result of the Egyptians wanting to show that they could do better than Qatar in releasing two elderly women who are full Israeli citizens without another uh, passport. The Israelis weren't involved in either releases at all. They had no part of it. And Israel didn't pay anything for those releases. I really think this is some kind of negotiating game and the competition that exists between Qatar and and, uh, Egypt. I think that the Israelis are holding off on the ground incursion of thousands of Israeli troops, tanks and artillery and special forces in order to exhaust every possibility to bring out as many hostages through negotiations. This seems to be the reason why the Israeli delay on the incursions. In the meantime, Israel is going in with small forces. For two nights now, they've done this to, I think, assess the situation on the ground to take care of specific intelligence information they have about Hamas battle plans once the incursion begins, and probably with special forces to see if they can find any of the hostages. And how important is U.S. pressure on them to uh, to delay the invasion or to stop it altogether? And do you see the U.S. putting that kind of pressure? Originally, President Biden said he was not telling Netanyahu to use any kind of restraint. Right. So so Israelis and, and others, Americans have said that the Americans are encouraging Israel to wait and to exhaust every possibility for negotiations, to wait with the ground operation. I think it has been influential, but uh, there are more and more voices in Israel who are calling to the Israeli government to recognize their moral responsibility to the hostages, because the the number one function and responsibility of any state is to protect its citizens. And Israel clearly failed to protect these civilians who live along the Gaza border and, and enabled them to be murdered and to be taken hostage. So there are calls, significant calls from, from Israelis, not, not like me on, on the left, but from the center of Israel's society, from the national security establishment, who are saying that Israel first has a responsibility to bring home the hostages. There are even several of them, including a former head of the Mossad, who said that Israel should even empty out all of its prison prisons and send all the Palestinian prisoners to Gaza in exchange for all the hostages being released. I I can't see that happening. But I think that there is more time, although not a lot, for a negotiated agreement for a release of the civilian hostages. I think it's important to note that the American government is and should be uh, placing pressure on Qatar. Qatar has been the host of the Hamas leadership for many years. It has funded Hamas with more than a billion dollars over the years. And Qatar, if it doesn't comply with American demands to put pressure on Hamas, Qatar should threaten the Hamas leadership that if they don't comply, if they don't pressure their own people back in Gaza, that they will be exiled from their welcome stay in 
in Qatar. And Qatar, is, by hosting Hamas, is in a way a state that's supporting terrorism. Uh, Gershon Baskin, I wanted to ask you about a number of the hostage families um, and families of those um, Israelis who Hamas killed on October 7th, like um, uh, Chaim Katzman. Uh, who was a University of Washington graduate student, came back to the kibbutz. Um, he was trying to protect others. He was in a closet and he was killed. We spoke both to his Seattle rabbi, where he was a Hebrew school teacher uh, in Seattle, and his brother Noy, who is in Vienna in Austria. Both called for an end to the occupation and said the invasion is not the answer to what has happened. Your final thoughts on what needs to happen now. I hope that after the Israelis people are experiencing the biggest trauma since the Holocaust and the Palestinians have been taken back to 1948 in the Nakba, that we wake up from this traumatic situation and understand first the Israelis that to delude ourselves that we can occupy another people for 56, 56 years and have peace is simply not real or that we can lock 2 million people in an open air prison for 17 years and expect to have quiet is living in, a, in an imaginary world of, of delusion. I hope that the Palestinian people wake up and understand that they will never have peace if they don't recognize the Jewish people's right to live in the land of Israel as well as their right to live in the land of Palestine. And that when this ends, I call it the day after after tomorrow because tomorrow is too soon. But the day after tomorrow, I've been calling for what um, the metaphor I use is the Belfast moment. The moment when we stand up and say, we've been killing each other for a hundred years and we have to stop. Our leaders need to pay the price for bringing us here, Israeli leaders and Palestinian leaders, they all need to go. And we need a new generation of Israelis and Palestinians who are willing to stand up with new ideas, new visions, new hopes, new dreams, and the ability to lead us forward on the very basic principle that everyone living between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea must have the same right to the same rights. That is the basic principle from which we have to start. And from there, we can decide if we want one state, two states, three states, or 10 states, a federation or a confederation. But it begins with the mutual recognition that we all must have the same right to the same rights. Gershon Baskin is Middle East Director of the International Communities Organization, a human rights advocacy group. In 2011, he helped negotiate the release of the Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit from Hamas captivity in exchange for more than 1,000 Palestinian prisoners. His memoir is titled In Pursuit of Peace in Israel and Palestine. Next up, we speak to New York University law school student Rena Workman, who lost her job at a prestigious law firm, lost their job at a prestigious law firm after speaking up for Palestinian rights. Back in 20 seconds. Hey, 
يوم ورا يوم تعيد نفس اليوم الاولى بالام والاخيره بالنوم هذا مني لك يا امراه يا ام البيت مني انا Freedom for my sisters by the world's first Palestinian hip hop group Dom. This is Democracy Now, democracynow.org. I'm Amy Goodman. We look now at how students, professors, and others advocating for Palestinian rights across the United States are facing racist attacks and other threats to their free speech, safety, and livelihoods. This week, Florida ordered state universities to ban the group Students for Justice in Palestine, accusing it of supporting a terrorist organization. The group Palestine Legal is documenting and supporting people who were fired or faced other retaliation for sharing social media posts or signing statements in support of human rights for Palestine. This includes our next guest, Rena Workman, who was removed from their position as president of the NYU Law School Student Bar Association and saw their job offer at the corporate law firm Winston and Strawn withdrawn after they sent a newsletter to classmates expressing, quote, unwavering and absolute solidarity with Palestinians and their resistance against oppression toward liberation and self-determination, unquote, after Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel um, and the subsequent number of Palestinians who died in these last weeks. On Thursday, the Senate unanimously passed a resolution, quote, condemning Hamas and anti-Semitic student activities on college campuses, unquote, which referenced Rena, though not by name. This comes as doxing trucks target people at Ivy League universities who sign Palestinian solidarity statements now appeared at Harvard, at Columbia, University of Pennsylvania with digital billboard screens displaying people's faces, their names, and above them saying, anti-Semites. Palestine Legal and over 600 other legal groups and leaders issued a letter calling unelected officials and institutional leaders to address the, quote, hundreds of incidents happening across the country that signal a much broader effort to criminalize dissent, justify censorship and incite anti-Palestinian, anti-Arab and anti-Muslim harassment, unquote. The letter notes this is not a new phenomenon, but it's escalating at terrifying speed, unquote. For more, we're joined in Chicago by Dima Khalidi, the founder and director of Palestine Legal, and by Rena Workman, the NYU law student who had their prestigious job offer rescinded. Um, we welcome you both to Democracy Now! Rena, why don't we start with you? What exactly happened? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think that, you know, I sent a message to my fellow law students supporting Palestine and offering context to a narrative that I already saw building that was excluding, you know, the 75 years of history that we've seen in Palestine, the apartheid, the military occupation. And I wanted to, you know, add that I support Palestinians in their movement for liberation. And that is what my message was intended to get across. And what happened? You know, after that, we saw this incredibly swift backlash. Um, I lost my job offer. You know, my school immediately put out statements that distanced themselves from me, offered me no specific protections um, publicly. And, you know, I've been receiving hateful and racist and transphobic and queerphobic messages um, for the past three weeks that have only gotten more vile and more hateful as time has gone on. And what about your position both at NYU and uh, your offer of a prestigious law firm employment? Yeah, I think that 
you know, the consequences that I'm personally facing are, you know, devastating for me. But I'm also really concerned that it's just promoting this chilling effect that we're seeing across not only my law school, but across universities and other law schools across the country, because folks are now afraid to speak up in fear that they might, you know, become the next me, that they might lose their offer simply for supporting Palestine and fighting the suppression and trying to end this genocide. So what do you say to the law firm now? And have they reconsidered? The law firm has not reached out to me at all. And right now, I really just want to focus on, you know, calling for a ceasefire and ending this genocide. And I really just want to say to everyone who cares about human life and cares about, you know, stopping uh, this killing to, to call for a ceasefire and, you know, and end this genocide that's happening right now to the Palestinians. I want to bring uh, Dima Halliday into this conversation. How common is what happened to Rena Workman? It's uh, become very common. Uh, Palestine Legal has been documenting for years what we call a Palestine exception to free speech. So it certainly didn't start on October 7th. We've seen these same kinds of tactics, severe doxing, attempts to get people fired and investigated to punish uh, boycotts for Palestinian rights and other advocacy through legislation and and uh, a, a, an attempt to purge academia of voices that support Palestinian rights. But since October 7th, when we've seen people mobilizing for Palestinian rights, we've seen an exponential increase. We, uh, we've had more than 300 requests for legal help, more than we get in a whole year, typically. And uh, Rena is, is really not alone. And we're seeing dozens, dozens of people getting fired and facing employment consequences around the country for making simple statements in support of Palestinian rights. We're seeing students get disciplined. As you mentioned, Amy, um, there are there is a widespread attack on the student movement for Palestinian rights, which has uh, built uh, uh, an incredible cross movement uh, um, uh, has built cross movement alliances on campuses for the last decade, and really people's livelihoods are being threatened, and people's lives are also under attack. We saw a six-year-old Palestinian boy murdered just for being Palestinian. So this is a widespread effort to intimidate, as Rena said, intimidate people into silence. But Rina is also not alone in the sense that there are so many voices who are speaking out because people are seeing more and more clearly what is happening here. This is about 75 plus years of a settler colonial state that has dispossessed an entire people of their land and of their dignity and of their humanity. And what is happening now is a complete dehumanization of Palestinians that is coming from the mouths of Israeli officials, which, by the way, have been speaking in genocidal terms about Palestinians for 75 plus years. And it's being echoed by our own elected officials repeating to level Gaza and to wipe, uh, wipe Palestinians off of the map. This is a genocide that is unfolding with U.S. support. And more people are seeing that. And, and that's what's critical here. We have to speak up. We have to protect people who are under attack for speaking out, uh, because that is our responsibility as U.S. citizens whose taxpayer money 
is being used to fuel this incredible uh, attack on, on Palestinians. Can you talk about what's happening in Florida? Uh, Governor DeSantis uh, demanding of the state university system to disband uh, the organization, um, uh, the Palestinian student organization, Students for Justice in Palestine. Of course, uh, DeSantis is often uh, the front runner when we're talking about uh, 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 undermining our constitutional rights. And once again, uh, he has attacked a student group uh, uh, based on their fundamental First Amendment rights to engage in advocacy on this issue. His move uh, is fundamentally contrary to the First Amendment and uh, it will be challenged, there is no doubt. Um, this is also an attempt to criminalize what uh, students and others are, are, are speaking out about. Um, and there is no basis for this. And frankly, it's part of DeSantis's broader agenda and the right wing's broader agenda to undermine fundamental First Amendment rights by criminalizing protests for racial justice, by criminalizing protests for environmental rights and indigenous rights, and uh, by purging academia um, of people and cur curricula that are trying to teach about the sordid history of racism in this country. Uh, so it is part of his effort to whitewash uh, uh, our, our uh, universities and academia from dissenting voices. And uh, this has to be challenged in order for us to maintain the fundamental constitutional rights upon which this country is based and, and that are essential for any, uh, any uh, uh, prospect of maintaining democracy in this country. I mean, it's been interesting what's happened. You've got the doxing of students, for example, at Harvard and at, um, at Columbia. At Harvard, the more traditional conservative organization, Harvard Hillel, actually also condemned the doxing of students and these billboards that are going around with protesters' faces with the word anti-Semite above it. And at Columbia, is it true that um, the um, pro-Israel and the Palestine groups together condemned the doxing? The doxing is one of the most uh, uh, heinous ways of attacking people. Um, these are students, these are individuals who are, you know, working in various arenas, and and they are being severely harassed. Their information is being publicized. They are uh, they are being uh, uh, barraged, as Rena has, with death threats and horrible, misogynistic, transphobic, and racist messages, uh, and and their livelihoods are being threatened. So we have seen uh, uh, pro even pro Israel groups. Uh, uh, condemn this because they see how uh, how horrible it is for their own peers mm -hmm. to be faced with this uh, with this kind of harassment. And, and universities are really failing to protect their students here. Uh, we've seen a couple of instances where universities are beginning to take measures to to prevent this doxing. And finally, Rena Workman, uh, your final comment. Also, who ousted you as president of NYU's Law School Bar Association? So the SBA, the Student Bar Association, originally initiated proceedings against me 
but since have all resigned. But currently, due to messaging from Dean McKenzie, I am suspended until further notice from all of my presidential duties. And so even though I cannot you know, say anything or do anything as SBA president, I still want to say as a person that we should all be calling for a ceasefire and an end to this genocide. Rena Workman, I want to thank you for being with us. NYU law student who had a job offer rescinded after speaking out in support of Palestinian rights and calling for a ceasefire. And Dima Khalidi, founder of Palestine Legal. I'm Amy Goodman. Thank you for joining us. Hmm. Okay, tell us what this is, Mel. Um, this is Teresa Boulard and Nassim Harmeen talking about unlocking the power of quantum crystals, bridging science and spirituality. And this is 33 minutes, is that right? 29 minutes. 29 minutes, all right. There we go. Blaze the violet fire. Everybody. I wanted a place for people to receive authentic guidance and practical ways to awaken. Thought-provoking, paradigm-shifting, and empowering. This is about expanding our human consciousness to create a wave of new possibilities. I'm Dr. Teresa Willard-White, and this is Quantum Minds TV. Welcome back to Quantum Minds TV, where we take a deep dive into various perspectives on what it's going to take to create a shift in human consciousness. In this episode, we're continuing the conversation with Nassim Haramine, founder of the Resonance Science Foundation and Taurus Tech, among many other notable achievements. Um, and, you know, coming back to the, the randomness, I feel that physicists, again, they 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 see randomness because they're really just looking at one, you know, the material dimension of things. But again, from the hermetic perspective, this dimension is, you know, the manifestation. And yet there can be higher planes of causation, higher dimensions, higher frequency levels, if we will, uh, where the actual source and, and order, you know, forms at higher dimensions. Uh, so just because it appears random here doesn't mean it's random. And this goes like even to exactly. the work of Carl Jung and synchronicities and, you know, what might be coincidence, random, whatever here. It's like, no, at a, at a higher level, archetypal, spiritual, whichever you would like. Or even David Bohm. Yeah, David yeah, Bohm, exactly. implicate, implicate order. order. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I love Bohm's work and and how he folded in this more holistic view of the explicate what you see on the surface, and then the implicate what you what's going on at a much deeper level. And when we come again back to this idea that the quantum vacuum is what connects us all, that we are all ultimately entangled, that the quantum field is highly entangled, highly connected. Um, and, and we're all one there that we are that ultimate, you know, essence, spiritual essence. And, and, and then that would mean that as we shift, it creates those ripples through that cosmic web and the universe shifts as well. And as we right. expand our consciousness, the universe is expanding its consciousness. And, and, you know, I, I just I yeah, love check, check this out. Yeah. Check this out. Okay. Is it, the, <laughs> There's a cool calculation I like to, to tell you about. If you take 
all the plant, okay, each spherical plant unit on the surface of the proton is a bit of information, right? Yeah. Of the screen, right? Okay. And so if you take all the plant on the surface of all protons in the universe, right? You calculate that from this equation. Um, you, you end up with the exact same amount of Planck you have on the surface of our universe. Um. Meaning each each bit of information on the surface of a Planck has an entangled pair on the surface of our universe. Wow. So the whole thing is one that is remarkable. That's and, a holographic and, principle again, right there in action. Right. An entanglement, exactly. all, all one. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 uh, and about the randomness, it's the problem of the carpet. You know, if you, if you had a beautiful Persian carpet mm. and you got your nose in it, you're going to think it's completely random. You're going <laughs> to see like all kinds of like, you're going to see like, you know, all kinds of ticks moving around. You're going to see like, you know, um, if you're looking really close, you know, you'll see the ticks, but it, you'll see like different colors of brands of colors and yeah, it seems completely random, right? You're like this with that thing, right? right? But then when you pull back, wow, right. it's beautiful and yeah. it's highly organized and it's, you know, a gorgeous scene of, of a river and trees and all this stuff. You have no idea what's there, right? Right. Like this, right? Shifting to that higher dimensional perspective, right? And this is what we mean, really, you know, in, in a way, it's when we expand consciousness, it's like rising up to being able to perceive the totality from a higher dimensional perspective, from that higher view, versus being the ant crawling on the carpet that only sees a forest of randomness, you can see the whole image, the whole pattern, the whole picture. And this right. I call that consciousness. going. Yeah, I call that going vertical. Going vertical, yeah. And as we expand our consciousness and we can can perceive more the totality, we see the connectivity. It, it completely shifts your paradigm of what is important, you know, because people in their lives, they get so myopic. They get so focused on the dramas and the minutiae and the politics and the, you know, this and that. And it's just like that is that's like being the ant crawling through the carpet and, you know, finding this random force and feeling really, uh, you know, caught up in just the immediate surrounding of a few little threads that are, you know, coming up around you versus seeing the bigger picture. And you realize like, no, there's so much more going on. It's, it's more complex, but it's also more intricate and beautiful. And, and there's a higher order structure to everything that is important for us to, to recognize. And, you know, I think that when people are in positions of leadership, they, they recognize that there is a bigger, you know, thing that, that they have to weigh the, their choices, you know, because every choice they know it affects a bigger whole, not just themselves. Uh, but mm -hmm. when people, you know, are, are only thinking about themselves and their own personal situation and position, they don't understand the decisions made by people in positions of leadership always, because they, mm -hmm. they're just thinking about it from their, you know, individual perspective and, and minutia. And so this, again, this shift in consciousness is really needed for us as a human race to to really you know be able to evolve to be able to solve the problems of today to be able to take the technologies that are available to us and really start implementing them to transform our world and create a better world
And and Nassima, I really, you know, I love our conversation. I could talk to you forever. And I want to make sure that we get to uh, some of your, your technologies that you've been bringing in, you know, that come back to the, the this, you know, the geometric structure of space-time and the 64 tetrahedron grid, because you have created some crystals off of this structure and found a way to to get them charged up and connected into that quantum vacuum that then puts out energy so can let's uh let's dive into that right. topic right right well you know um so you can imagine that like always through these you know earlier you know um research thoughts that i was having and all the you know although it was very at the time and i you know i i want to stress that like all the meat and potatoes that people need in terms of the rigorous physics. You know, I started to publish it throughout the years, but it's really gonna all be in this next paper. But, um, you know, I I wanna say that like, um, at the time I was thinking, okay, well, you know, if I'm correct, then I should be able to get something that's highly coherent, that has the right molecular geometry uh, with, um, you know, the right electromagnetics. I should be able to like, kind of like in a place where the vacuum is random, where, you know, like I should be able to like grow the, the coherence of the field into a larger bubble. Like, you know, take, a region of space and make it coherent, mm. right? Like it cohere the field in that region. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, well, um, maybe uh, so what substance should I use, right? Well, it would have to be a substance that oscillate really well, right? Well, in all of our devices, all of our modern civilization, Everything is running on one very specific structure, and it's called a crystal. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not talking about crystals like, you know, that your hippie mother had or something like that, right? I'm talking about, you know, technology, like crystals are technology as well. They're not just like these esoteric concepts yeah. of of crystal. So, 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 so something else, and then the crisp, then, you know, I studied the chemistry of crystals and all this. And clearly I saw that the geometric structure of space that, that was being described by the ancient at the time. And that eventually I found in the mathematics, um, actually is most well represented by the quartz you know, crystal molecular structure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we use it as a, because it's a great oscillator. Right? Oh, so are you and saying then, that the, that the lat- crystal lattice structure of the quartz actually follows the same tetrahedral type geometry? Exactly. Oh, okay. All right. And it, and it's related to the water structure because mm-hmm. don't forget the crystals were birthed in the water molecule, you know, arranging the atoms together. So there's water relation, like, so, so both are tetrahedrals, right? Both are hexagonal in nature mm-hmm. and so on. And so it was the right geometry. So I thought, okay, now 
I want this orientate the orientation of the outside geometry of what I'm building to match the geometry of the molecular structure of what it's built with. I, yeah. I want to keep the coherency. I want to grow the scale, but not lose the coherency. Mm. Right. So, so I, I realized crystal are bifringent. I realized they have, you know, very specific, Action. you know, yeah. piezoelectric relationship yeah. angles and all this. So the molecule has a very specific relationship that you can find, you know, it's called um, the optical, you know, ang uh, uh, orientation and there's a piezoelectric orientation and all this. So I, I line all those up with the geometry of the thing I was going to cut. And it, it, of course, it was a tetrahedron I was going to cut. Right? <laughs> and so I cut the tetrahedron and I with very specific ratios. And I thought this should kind of do the job. Mm -hmm. And then I knew I had to like increase, like get the rotation going, get the angular momentum going, get the thing the field spinning around that mm. that thing, right? And so I I came up with a device to do that, to like force the electromagnetic field to spin at high velocity in a region of space to get it to do that. Mm. And I thought, well, you know, it might I, you know, it was a test, right? It was, it was but, just it, like, but I remember I saw a little bit of that, that device you created. It looks kind of like a, like a Tesla coil almost, you know, that, that is creating that, that vortex energy to, to charge up or restructure uh, the energetics of the crystals. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. And so I, I, yeah, correct. And I built this technology and I, so I made it, together and then I turned it on and it was just a initial test. It was like, you know, basically like basket weaving, making the coils and, you know, it was very, very, <laughs> and the result was kind of remarkable, meaning I could see that it was having effects in the laboratory that I didn't expect. One of them being that all the plants start to grow like crazy. <laughs> and I was like, why are the plants growing like crazy? And they were growing towards the device. And, you know, it's like, what is going on? This is really wild, you know, esoteric. And I was getting other effects like that were visible in the floor of the lab and all this stuff. And, I, and, and so I could see it was, it was doing the job. And so I started cutting little crystals and putting it in the field of the device and I and then removing them and see if I could get the little crystal to do the same thing somewhere else. I quickly realized that it was having an impact on the structure of water and so on. And so I tried different things. And um, and so I I saw the effects. I saw they were resilient, meaning I didn't know maybe it would work when the technology was on but stopped working when the technology was off mm. and so on and i i found that the effect was permanent like the only way i could cancel the effect in the crystal was by boiling it and and then you know the molecular structures lose its coherency right and and so 
So, uh, but I couldn't measure it directly until recently. And that's, you know, I think you have those little movies. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, I could measure it indirectly on the effects of plants, the effects on water and all this, but it was indirect measurement. Now we're starting and what you're going to see now is really rudimentary. It's really a first test. And, and so excuse the quality of the filming and all this because it, you know, doesn't reflect on yeah. the technology really. But So before but, we show the movie, if I may, Nassim, I wanted to just make a little bit of a connection here between what you're doing with the crystals and an ancient practice uh, that has been, you know, part of like Tibetan Buddhism, for example, and even in Christianity, they, they talk about the relics or the Sharira that come from the, you know, the saints and the enlightened monks. And they believe that, you know, for example, in Tibetan system, uh, an enlightened monk became so coherent and, and, you know, went through their own spiritual and internal body alchemy process that they created what they call these pearls of wisdom, uh, like Shreer, like a philosopher's stone inside of their own uh, body. And then when they cremated them at the end, it was like those little pearls would not break down. And then they would gift these. They, they're like pearls of wisdom or part of the enlightenment of that monk. They would then gift to their disciples or sometimes they take them on tour. Um, and, and I've seen these. And when you are in the presence of them, it's like uh, you can feel the energetic coherence coming off of them. And uh, Bill Tiller, who was also a PhD physicist, also worked with crystals. He tried, after having an experience with these um, these Sharira, to try and duplicate that and come up with some physics theory and so forth about how that would work. And he worked with more of an electrical transistor type of thing that got programmed by meditators and intention. And then that box would create the, the transmission into the field. But you have created something that can be harnessed in a technological way that, you know, creates that coherent field. Uh, by extracting the energy from the quantum vacuum, and no wonder the plants grew towards it because you you know you, they they're emitting this coherent field that people, plants, animals, everything's going to benefit from when they're in that proximity. And um, and and I look forward to so we're gonna we're gonna see the effect, the energetic um, current that's coming out of it uh, through your video. But I also look forward to afterwards. We're going to talk about how we can scale that up and how we can amplify that effect uh, to bigger and bigger applications. So let me um, take exactly. a moment here to put on the video and then we're going to have you narrate it. Okay, so what you're seeing here is the equipment. And we're putting a charged crystal. If you look at on the right hand side of the video, you'll see the gauge that is being pinned out by the energy. We're measuring microamps. And milliamps, I'm sorry. And um, and you can see that the uncharged crystal is pulling the energy down, actually. It's actually not pulling it down. It's the way we've calibrated the, uh, the, the meter. And this, one's this one is uncharged. You can see it's going down. And the other one is completely pinning it, right? Can you replay that just yeah. a little bit? Yeah. So, so again, for people to see, those are milliamps we're measuring. 
on the scalar component of the crystal. So that's charge crystal. You can see it pin out the, so the calibration is not too good on that one, right? But you can see that the uncharged one actually has a very minimal effect compared to the charged one. And so it's very, very telling because then we can see the effect um, and again, this technology was developed by um, researchers uh, to be able uh, in trance, uh, very good scientists, to be able to uh, measure a component of the electromagnetic field that's not usually measured. That's why, you know, it was not obvious to just measure the field that the crystal is producing but it's producing it continuously, constantly, 365 year, days a year, you know, 24 seven, uh, continuously I've had crystal that I started, um, that I, that I modified, uh, in 1999 that are still producing effects like this. We have a second video. We can go through it quickly, uh, if you want. In this case, we've, uh, We've tuned the device, the, the inventor, the, the researcher has tuned the device better. And um, he, um, you know, so that it's calibrated uh, where the needle on. So this is the charge once. So you can see it's it's still pinning the, the gauge on the measuring device, but it's not overwhelming it uh, so you calibrated it better and uh, he's going so we have 10 charge ones and 10 uncharged ones so we're going through to, to see basically if we have a consistent result you know on those crystals so we can see it's pretty consistent from one crystal to the other. And that's important for us for production. It took a long time to go to production with those devices because I couldn't find industry that could cut me the crystal with the precision they need to be cut to produce the effect. So you see that the geometry produced an effect itself, but it's much less. So these are the uncharged right? crystals, that right? That's correct. Yeah, that's the uncharged crystal. So you can see they're consistently producing about approximately the same amount of energy. Those are milliamps. And it would make sense that just the crystal itself would still produce energy because our watches are powered on quartz crystals, for example. And you know, and yet you've really cut had these tied it really in alignment with the um, energies of the uh the crystal axes and so forth, so that they're precise in the geometry. Right. They, they, that's the thing is that um, you know, in a in a watch, the crystal is used as an oscillator, and the battery is producing the energy to oscillate it. The difference here is that it's the battery and the crystal in, all in one. It's extracting the energy from the quantum vacuum. That's the battery. 
and it's oscillating like a good crystal it should be, you know? So, um, so, so Nassim, how have you then, so you, of course, I know that you have these crystals, these art crystals for sale and you've got them in sort of a, uh, a structure that you know has been made as a pendant for people who want to have that coherent energy into their own field and you know have it amplify. Uh, they can, I'm sure, they could arrange some of these in some kind of geometric form around their house as well to kind of create like a crystal grid and amplify the field. Um, but how else are you using these? Uh, I mean, you told us about plants growing more, uh, but of course, we want to ultimately bring this into sort of real world applications beyond uh, just what, you know, what we've talked about from an experiential level. Right, for sure. And, you know, it's really kind of nice to see for me, um, you know, a direct measurement of it in terms of, you know, milliamps or, you know, energy production. And, and of course, the goal eventually, either than the fact that, no, imagine that technology, well, okay, let's me just continue with that thought. That, so that eventually it's running your car, it's running your house, it's running, it's running your spaceship, um, you know, and, you know, and, and it's running our society. Um, you know, the crystals currently are running our society. It's just that they're not the power source of the device where they're the oscillator. In this case, they'd be the power source and the oscillator. And so basically, all of a sudden, you have a way to, um, you know, decentralize power. Every device can have its own little power source. You can be anywhere. You don't need to recharge. You're, you're, you know, you don't need to plug your Tesla into something because that's the thing is people realize, don't realize, like, if everybody buys a Tesla tomorrow and goes and plug it in, our, our energy grid and network will go down, right? Like already in California, it's becoming a big problem. <laughs> They're asking Tesla owners to not all plug their cars at the same time yeah. and, and so on. And so, uh, you know, and, and the power supplies or nuclear power plant or coal burning plant or, you know, and, and so that's, the, those are huge issues. The yeah. energy issue in the world is one of the most profound issue. And so all of a sudden you have a possibility to run the world directly on the universe, on universal energy, the energy that's running your atoms, that's running the sun, that's running the stars, the galaxies, everything. And so basically and basically we are when we're using nuclear power or when we're putting a turbine in the, in the stream of water. I mean, it's provided by the universe. It's just not a very efficient way to use it because it's, it's too late along the path of entropy. You know, this technology is like bringing back to the source of the energy. <laughs> and, um, and so basically, uh, it, it, it will change everything we do because with that comes uh, the capacity to modify gravitational fields because if you have the, you know, Rydberg constant and the, you know, electromagnetic fields well connected to the gravitational field at the quantum level, all of a sudden you have a direct path to using electromagnetic fields to produce gravitational effects 
And now you have the energy, the technology that produced the energy to do it, right? Um, and so all of a sudden you can control gravitational effect, which is the next step for the evolution of our society. Mm -hmm. We built a whole society because we learned to control electromagnetic fields using crystals. The next step is to, um, you know, uh, go to the next level. And when I mean crystal, I mean as well, like, you know, for instance, magnets are basically, you know, uh, uh, crystal atoms that, you know, crystalline structures that we align to make a magnet. Well, right? silicon, silicon chips that power computers are all crystals and, and so forth. So there's lots right, of Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so basically we, we will transcend this moment in our society where you know, uh, resources are scarce and we're running out of space and we're running out of resources and we're running out and all this by actually, you know, it's almost like a quantum jump into a new level of awareness mm -hmm. that there is a fundamental field of, ex of existence that we're connected to it and that it's not just an esoteric thoughts of, you know, some esoteric knowledge or some religious beliefs, but it's actually the way things work and, and that you can tie technology to it. Mm -hmm. If you understand how it works and it will run your world, mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you'll, you'll run your world on the energy of creation. You'll run your world on God. Like you, you just, you know, and, and, um, and it's and it's possible and it will transform everything. So join us again as we continue to dive deeper into this fascinating conversation with Nassim Haramine on the next episode of Quantum Minds TV. This conscious conversation was created, produced, and recorded by Dr. Teresa Bullard White in collaboration with Nassim Haramine and edited by Verse Content and HH Holmes and Photo. The theme music and intro videography were created by Tim Mountain of Even Look Productions. Quantum Minds TV is a product of the Quantum Learning Academy. <clears throat> All right. I really enjoy those two together. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, yes. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well, we have our our sister Luna, La Luna Joy. It's a special thing she's done here. And so I'm going to read it. <laughs> it says, The Unbreakable Love Army. Message from Mother Segment. Included healing power of love. Invocation. Mother Segment through Luna Joy. Yaxkeen Incarnate Egypt. All right. Right on the spot there. Okay, so. <clears throat> we entered the dark womb. That is the temple of Sekhmet in Karnak, Egypt. 
She was locked away in the past to try to contain her powerful divine feminine energy that frightened the other gods of that day, even though they tried to contain her powerful love, their effort to lock her up has failed. This is the message we received. She remembered us. so She didn't waste any time putting us to work. We shared. We are here for you. And immediately, we began to feel. We began to feel the energy flow into us. Yet she was not as present as in the past years. Mother Sekhmet is giving us a job. She is working really hard. She is in so many places around the world right now. She's not completely here anymore. She has been systematically coming out of the temple into the world with with those of her family who have come to visit her here. She is calling for an army, a light army, a love army. (laughs) I thought it's kind of amazing to have someone else, you know, talking about mother segment, a peace army. She is asking as we want to be her army. So, are you okay with joining this army? It is up to you. As it were so, you can continue with this message. As this is so, you can continue with this message. We are going to be her love army. And oh, she is mad. I can see where most of her energy is. I could see she was in between Israel and Palestine, the Holy Lands. She is mad. She is tired. She says enough is enough. This harm has to stop. And I felt her stomp her foot down. This war, this hurting of each other, the senseless devastation, it is enough. It is over. It is going to stop. The backstory. Mother Sekman and the core of the Divine Feminine has been scapegoated for centuries, for eons. She... She still has this enduring story that she was a destroyer. Her only power is unbridled, unlimited love. Yet this love will destroy where the ego's power is in control. The ones in the past did not like this. She could right all wrongdoing with pure love. So they scapegoated her. They labeled her a monster. (laughs) an out-of-control destroyer. 
yet in truth. They were only describing themselves. Like so many women and men and good people all over the earth, so many get scapegoated and crucified. Even though she's locked away in this dark tomb, this dark womb of a temple, she knows what's going on out in the world. She knows. She can see it. She wasn't really present in her temple this day when I asked, where are you? And this is when I saw she was hard at work in Israel and Palestine. She wanted us to know where she was because she loves us. And she doesn't want us to worry that her energy was fading. It isn't. Yet she also doesn't want us to feel the pressure and weight that she carries. She's joking by saying, Wait a minute. No, I just want, oh. Did you say thank you? I see. All right. All right. Why do you think they made me out of Diorite? Um, That's a stone. That's a special stone, huh? Mm-hmm. Is that what you they made her in? Her statue in Garnet. Oh, okay. It was made out of that stone and it cannot be destroyed. You say that a little louder, I think. It cannot be destroyed. Huh. Is there only a little bit of it in the whole world? I don't know anything about it. Oh, okay. The stone, I just, I think I pronounced it right, diorite or diorite, D-I-O-R-I-T-E, cannot be destroyed, Rama said. You cannot break me, and you cannot be broken either. So, we are here asking her how we can help. So she shares the present issues at hand and where love is needed the most. We are not broken. The world is not broken. We are still standing. We are still here. And we are still radiating love in a harsh, unjust world. We are still sending out love And we cannot be broken. She cannot be broken. Yet there is work to do. She's been standing here for ages in the dark. And she wants the world's madness to stop. So we are going to be her light army. Out in the world. And we will turn the page. (laughs) We are just going to be peace in the chaos. We are going to walk the way of love. We are going to be kindness. And we are going to be truth. We will be impeccable with ourselves and have honor and respect for all life. No judgments, no fighting, only love. 
we were standing around her in the small dark temple and we kept sending her love. She says, when we send her love, we are sending ourselves love because she's you and you are her. So, for few people, so few people visit her here. As you can get through the gate and down that path, you are a part of her family, plain and simple. And when you enter this womb with her and you feel her energy, when you leave this temple, she goes out in the world with you. And her love adds to your love. And it grows and it grows. Now see, she sees you and those reading this now. And she's healing the wounds in our hearts. She wants to heal all the places where we have loved and given of ourselves and were not respected or honored for it. She's healing these cracks in our hearts so we can be even more effective in this world. Yet simultaneously, she is opening us up to hold so much more. She acknowledges who we are, where we have been, and what we have experienced. She sees the pain we have suffered the joy we have felt. She sees us throughout all time, like there is no time, because she is standing out of time. She is eternal. Humanity goes back to the first ones, like Adam and Eve, where Eve is blamed for the fall from the kingdom because she triggered Adam to wake up. And she was scapegoated. She had triggered the first awareness. Very interesting. Half of what she is showing me, I don't even know how to put into words. It wouldn't do any justice. So feel her in this moment. She knows you now. So... Do you feel her and her love? She loves everything so intensely. She loves the world. She loves humanity. And she loves us. She wants the world to stop hurting. And she has been working for love from the moment of her creation. To do this work, As a unified love army, she is asking for our hearts to explode out into the world. Just explode like a light bomb. (laughs) She doesn't love lightly or conditionally. She loves all the way through because she knows the places we hold back love are the places that are illusions and lies. She loves with great and pure intent. So she is asking you to send your love into the world as your pure heart directs. 
It is an explosion. It's a wake-up call. Explodes your heart into the illusory, into the into the illusionary matrix energy and energy fields around the earth and it will go exactly where it needs to be this will stop the devastation only love can do this let us open the places in our hearts that are stuck closed send our love and vision of peace directly into the hearts of those in the middle of conflict and anywhere in the world. Send out your heart's love. It is simple. Simple is very powerful and effective. Yet for those who are in their negative egos, it is not valued. This makes this work a very stealthy, a, a very stealthy way to heal the world. They do not see it coming because they have forgotten its awesome power. Watch out for the simple little things we might not notice that are the bizarre micro efforts to stop us from connecting and being with love and navigate around this. Not to fight or confront or control. Just be the love. Love isn't going away. We are not going away. We are back. And we are here. And we can return balance and peace. We cannot go out and change the world with force. We need to walk with love. We need to live it fully. We need to walk and live it so strongly that nothing can come up against it ever again because there is nothing to fight as there is only love the truth is we are love does that make sense when we go out and think we are changing the world we are just fighting it in another form change is not about looking at the world and only seeing what is broken this is not being awake this is only feeding the illusion. Change comes, change comes by being who we truly are and being this unshakably. The time has come for us to stretch our bubbles of love and peace so broad and far and wide that flow in all into all the little cracks and crevices that still have have discord. Spirit and creation directs this. All you have to do is be love. We could see our love like an octopus with tentacles. They just spread across the world like a lovely soft virus that has that we hope everyone catches. <laughs> we are creating a beautiful love and peace virus. My God. Viruses are amazing. They know how to reach into another human being, alter and strengthen their weak spots, and change them from the inside out without killing them. 
We can do this with love. <laughs> so, we are a love virus, a love army. Those lost in negative ego will not see us coming, nor will they expect this. We are the stealth, endless tentacles of love, and Mother Sekhmet's love, and our love, and all those holding this lovely space together. It is unshakable, unbreakable. It is as strong as diamonds. <laughs> She's also got another side job for us. I learned from experience the longer we are present with her, the more she gives us to do. There are so many people on this planet with so much love inside and so much life, and they're afraid to let it out because of lifetimes of persecution. And we need, turn the page here, and we need that light in our army now because love is powerful. Let us stand our love, energy, and support to all the hearts, send our love, energy, and support to all the hearts that have been shut down because this world was not a safe place to be who they are. Let us create a safe and confident place so they can express who they truly are. We can be their energetic support system. Love is the one thing that will stop the madness and birth a return to paradise with unity and diversity. So it is. Okay, then they're thanking. Thank you so much to Andrea King, who selflessly gave her precious time while still in Egypt to translate this message and offering me a much quicker way to get this message out to the world. Andrea, I cannot thank you enough. Healing Power of Love Invocation. Archangel Michael calls it the love blanket. Use this, dis use this invocation to disarm fear and anchor love throughout the earth, humanity, and all living things. Use this decree out loud in ceremony with confidence and heart, either by yourself or to empower this a thousandfold. Work with this love invocation in groups. Here we are, everybody. The words I am are very important to call in the divine presence. This is a threefold invocation. This first bit is to claim our divinity. The second is to ensure that our ego is in check and that we work from divine per perfection and universal law. The third is the bit it, the third bit is the actual work, the love blanket, that we will cover all living things with. Unconditional love and peace can only come when we love all our brothers and sisters of this earth and do not allow ourselves to participate in any action that does not radiate these qualities. 
mighty I am presence that I am. I am calling my mighty I am presence that is within me and within one and all. I am the enlightened unified one. I am the presence of the limitless divine energy. I am guided by unconditional love and infinite intelligence. I am the presence of an all-encompassing peace and radiant light. I am calling the truth that I am that I am. I am calling on my I am presence that I am to emanate limitless illumination and perfection continually into my heart so I can emanate this perfection and be in greater service to all of humanity. From my mighty I am presence that I am, I am now taking perfectly aligned and creative action in accordance with divine universal law of this new era. I am calling with my loving I am presence Send forth purifying rays of pure violet light to all humanity, into all official places of earthly governments, and into all overt and covert organizations of any kind. I send this intent with my I am presence, with only love and no earthly judgment of right or wrong. I am calling with my I am presence that only compassionate action is taken, and total forgiveness is obtained, and profound healing is anchored for anyone who has been harmed or those who caused this harm. I ask this to take place at any time in history, and in present moment and in the future. I am calling with my mighty I am presence that light, love, truth, and compassion radiate out through all time, space, and dimension through all human hearts, minds, and spirits. I am calling with my mighty I am presence and with authority from the law of universal divine principle that all creations on earth by humankind be aligned to the light of truth of universal law and the power of love. I ask with this authority that this action take place at the very core of humanity's DNA I am asking for humanity to radiate in full illumination of the body, mind, and soul, and thus raising all of humanity into alignment with the universal divine plan, into pure presence. It is done. Okay, and I'm passing this talking stick with all of Quetzalcoatl's emerald serpent feathered one's flame of heart. And I pass it to you with all the angels, fairies, feathers, rainbow crystals, Menahuni, Sasquatch, and all the other beings of light and love. Here it comes, Rainbird. Okay, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was sweet. I really like that one. Wow, indeed. Thank you, Luna Joy. Yeah, thank you, Luna Joy. I really appreciate that. And it just landed in all different places for me. So it was very sweet. 
And I thank you for the whole evening. I, I missed a lot of it. I, I fell asleep constantly. <laughs> it all went in there, wherever. It went in there, Rainbird. It did. I know it did. I know it did. And, and just listening to that last piece made me realize that it all was in there. And I, and, and I got it at some level somewhere. I'm not... I, I'm, I don't doubt that for a minute. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tonight. And I look forward to seeing you again this afternoon. And uh, sweet dreams. Thank you, Rainbird. Thank you. Ready, Rama? Yeah. You passing that talking stick, Rainbird? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right, tell us what you got there, Rama. This is Aurora Ray talking about our cats as cosmic guardians, how they connect us with higher consciousness. All right, Rama. To all the cat people in the world. Your kitty, a cosmic. One simple but brilliant trick to heat your home in 90 seconds and save thousands of dollars on your heating bill this winter. Kitty, a cosmic connector. Our world is a vast library filled with incredible knowledge and wisdom. This library is not made of books or scrolls, but exists within the living beings and nature all around us. In different corners of our planet, there are small groups of people who understand the secret to keeping this living library alive and thriving. They do this by filling themselves and the earth with love. When they do, something magical happens. The earth, in return, showers them with love, making life beautiful and sustainable. Now, you might wonder, what happens when this living library comes to life? Well, it's like opening a treasure chest of information, cooperation, and love. It's as if the universe itself starts whispering its secrets to us. But here's the twist. Our bodies, as they are now, aren't quite ready for this grand exchange. It's like trying to fit an ocean into a teacup. It just won't work. Our nervous system and DNA need some upgrades to handle all this new knowledge and energy. It would be a colossal shift from how we currently see and understand the world around us. When the living library is fully activated, intelligence will bubble up from every nook and cranny of existence, and it won't be in hushed tones. You could spend an hour conversing with a single flower and uncover a world of wisdom in just three feet of walking. Everything will adjust gradually, all living beings evolving together, vibrating in harmony with the universe's consciousness. Remember, every part of our world is teeming with life. Now, here's something intriguing. Animals are far more brilliant than we give them credit for. In fact, many of them are moving towards a world of light, which might explain the so-called extinctions happening. Animals are incredibly clever. They understand that their existence doesn't end with death. They trust that they'll be taken care of after their time here. They have an innate wisdom and a remarkable trust in life. You won't find them buying insurance policies. Many of these animals are keenly aware that the quality of life they seek is no longer found in our world, so they're choosing to depart. 
animals were placed on this planet to be our companions, guides, and teachers. The decision to consume them or not has always been yours. They don't mind being a part of our sustenance if it adds to the quality of our lives and theirs. However, what they truly deserve is our respect and honor for the lives they lead. Sadly, we often treat them as if they're not even alive, as if they don't feel, as if they're mere servants to us. But animals are not just random creations. They were meticulously designed and created to be our companions by gathering genetic material from various solar systems and planets. This genetic link with Earth enables beings from those systems to peek into and communicate with our world. This aspect of creation remains largely unexplored. Animals have an innate understanding of their roles within their species. They come from diverse extraterrestrial communities and resemble their ancestors on other planets. When you think about the countless planets in the universe, this idea becomes less mind-boggling. Earth was intentionally seeded with these biogenetically engineered creatures to accompany and enlighten us on our journey. Some animals, like cats, serve as transmitters of information. Yes, your fluffy feline friends are more than just cute companions. They directly connect with a species of consciousness that monitors us. In ancient times, many cultures kept large cats, like lions, next to their rulers. These statues of lions scattered across the world symbolize this connection. The cat family represents a blend of beings resembling us, but with a cat-like visage. These cat beings have visited our planet, especially in South America, Mexico, Egypt, and various island cultures. They left behind cats as information transmitters, allowing rulers to have direct contact with these celestial beings. The cats communicated telepathically, guiding rulers in their decision-making. In more recent history, Cats were often associated with witches, but let's not underestimate these witches. They recognize the cat's ability to connect with other realms. When lower vibrational energy enters, cats can intercept it and alter its frequency, making it more harmonious. Today, many of us have cats in our homes that transmit valuable information to us. However, in our time, we often overlook this unique connection. Cats serve as guardians and comforting companions, holding ancient wisdom within their soft paws. In this incredible living library of existence, animals play a vital role, not just in nature, but in connecting us to higher realms of consciousness. They are our companions, teachers, and even cosmic radios, transmitting knowledge that we might not fully grasp yet. As we continue to evolve and awaken, Let's remember to honor and respect these beings who share our journey through this magnificent living library. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. We are the Galactic Federation. Aho. This is a message to humanity from Aurora Ray, Ambassador of the Galactic Federation. Thirteen thank yous, honey in the heart, no evil, live long and prosper everyone. And Sat Nam for this evening. Sat Nam Ji. 
And we'll see you all this afternoon, as Rainbird reminds us. It's already it's already Saturday here in the land of enchantment, as they say, the Santa Fe area. And uh, until we meet again, namaste, everyone. Aloha.